Hello and welcome to In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. On this special edition of the show, we will be discussing the film Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, the touchstone of the creation of Star Trek Discovery, according to several interviews. My name is Ethan, and I'm joined, as always, by Kevin. You are surrounded in my apartment by by a lot of my cramped apartment by many Star Trek film posters, as you can see. It's true. He is so dedicated. He even has an insurrection poster over his bed. That's a little odd. It's not <laughs> over my bed. It's over my couch. Okay. The Star Trek Beyond poster is above my desk, and the Star Trek Four poster is above my TV. Yes, and the Escape yes. from New York poster is also. Yes, there. that's a great Star Trek. So this is like, and I'm, I'm eating too. So forgive me. I haven't eaten. 70% of our listeners. I haven't eaten at all today, so I'm hungry as hell. He's going to turn his head away from the mic from now on when he chews. No, I won't. Because um, I talk with my mouthful. Uh, so we will be providing a commentary, basically, of sorts for this movie. Um, the cool thing is, is that, as you mentioned, this was a touchstone in the development process of the series. And... I know one of the rumors going around at the time before the concept was actually announced was that Discovery actually took place right after this movie. So they were going to like pick up the threads after this movie. Which is what I was kind of hoping for, actually. Right, that would have been a very interesting untapped area of Star Trek timeline. Undiscovered era. era. An undiscovered country of Star Trek, if you will. Yes. And, and as many fans know, I don't know if you know this, this was originally supposed to be the title for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, because it's directed by Nick Meyer, the same guy. Well, like saving the gold for the film. Could yeah. be doing all this during the film. Now, here's our, our disclaimer here. Many of you are probably used to the, um, the thrills and excitement of our regular podcast, and um, we just want to let you know this is an experiment. We've never done a commentary before. We wanted to try something different, and so if, if you're not crazy about it, just... Don't abandon us. We will be back with our regular podcast styling. We'll still do other ones at some though. point. We'll still do well, other we still do other things and other types of discussion. But as we said in the in the downtime of the show, we wanted to try a bunch of different things, including a commentary. Mm. And this film made the most sense given the connections, which I think we'll find that there are a lot more connections than simply um, uh, being the touchstone. I think there's some parallels mm-hmm. plot wise. And so true. And this is kind of. <laughs> This movie also kind of, in a way, wraps up, if you could say, the threads of Discovery, in a way. Discovery kind of begins all of that with the Klingons, and then this one almost kind of like ends it. It's kind of like a, I don't know, I don't want to say a bookend, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I agree with that statement. So, we're about to begin the film, so you just kind of schooled me on how we should handle this portion of it. Yes, so what we're going to do is we're going to start the film, we're going to pause when it says... Um, for Gene Roddenberry, because that's the first title card. So after the Paramount Mountain and the stars and all that, we're going to pause it there, then we're going to say, one, two, three, play. And that's when you should press play after you also have paused on the for Gene Roddenberry title card. So I will click play on the Paramount logo right now. Mm-hmm. Stars are flying in from the left. They're spiraling to- back toward the left. I miss this logo. Paramount doesn't... I mean, they saw the logo like this, but they don't animate it like this. I miss this. Right. And Paramount is fading. For Gene Roddenberry, and we're pausing it. Okay, there we are. For Gene Roddenberry. 
It's on the screen. You all catch up with us. Also, one more thing. Who passed away just before this came out. Yes, interestingly. That plays in. Tragically. Okay, tragically sure. Passed away. But interestingly, for the <laughs> story, oh. and I'll get to that. I did a little <laughs> bit of research for this. Right. Um, true, true, tragically. Every death is tragic. Um, what was I going to say? Oh. I have no idea. Um, even if you don't have the film, right? So I listen to a lot of podcasts, and when they would do commentaries, often if it's, especially if it's a film I'm familiar with, I would just put it on at the gym, knowing that I know the film pretty much, and it's still entertaining. So, you know, if you want to try that, or your commute, or in your cubicle, or whatever it is you do there on the treadmill. If you know the movie that well, you can just listen to us. Yep. Yeah. Kayaking, whatever it is you want to listen to while doing this. You know, putting shingles on your roof, whatever. You're giving them their blessing to basically listen to this however they want to? Yes, I am. Um, I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow well, it. Well, I'm glad you're doing that because I wasn't sure about the other ones. Yeah, no, I mean, the other ones are very formulaic. You have to look at it. Yeah. yeah. All right, so, for Reading Roddenberry, three, two, one, and play. All oh, right. Let me turn this down so we don't get bleed over. First off, one of the great fonts in all of cinema. Yes, it's called the star sign font. I have this. It's clear font. Yes. You know what I, what I, and it's the color of the Klingon blood. If you notice right there. Um, oh, the Klingon blood. I can't wait. What I, what I, because this is the last uh, film with the original cast. It makes me sad that we didn't get the kind of traditional. We didn't get the Trek theme. We got we got the fanfare somewhat, but we didn't get any of the classic Trek music as a kind of you know send off to them. Unfortunately, yeah, it would have been nice closing credits, right? Mm. Yeah, it would have. It would have. Now, this movie is as most of Trek is an allegory for its time, and this is probably the most on the nose allegory that there is, which is the. For the collapse of the Soviet Union and everything. Right now. How timely. And you are a history teacher. Have you ever thought of showing this to your students? I haven't, actually. Mm. Um, could you, though? I could, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I teach a, co- a class that's American history, and we read comics from every decade. And the whole point of the class is just a com- American history through comic books. So, mm. yeah, I, I would certainly do something like this. Because yeah. I love to bring in pop culture as yeah. sort of a, a, a historical artifact. So, yes, absolutely. Um, now, the interesting thing is that... Th- so, when we had the original series, we were in the midst of the Cold War. So, a, a, yep. any of the Cold War analogies, you know, they were there. Or even the early films, the Cold War had been going on. But the collapse of the Soviet Union was very current to this. Right. The This movie opened, I believe, on December 4th, 7th, very early December 1991. And the Soviet Union fell... What, a few weeks after that, right? It was definitely 1991. Yes. Yeah, I think it was, I want to, I don't know why I want to say Christmas. I don't know why, I could, I feel like I, it's, I, or maybe around that time. Honestly, not but, um, because most of it started a couple right. of years earlier. But. but, uh, but, you know, at this point in real, in the real world, the Berlin Wall had already come down. Germany was already kind of reunified or becoming reunified. There was no East and West Germany anymore. Right. 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 And the Soviet Union had then it was coming to the table. It had given up and it was decided to turn to a democracy and it was going right. to negotiate with the West and make peace and put it all behind them, all, all behind both sides. Yeah. Um, 
the you know the writer of this and director Nicholas Meyer, or co-writer Nicholas Meyer, you know, who obviously directed Wrath of Khan, um, was on a you know was a consultant on Discovery. I don't know if he still is, but he's been. He, I know he was on uh, Discovery for a little while. Right. Um, Here is uh, the explosion of Praxis, which is sort of which was sort of written as their Chernobyl. Oh, absolutely. The Klingons Chernobyl, as it were. And Praxis was seen in the finale of Discovery. Right. At least we can assume that's, that it was. Absolutely. Yeah, I love the, the Chernobyl where that comes down to an energy accident, just mm-hmm. like Chernobyl. It's fantastic. Captain Sulu. Captain Sulu. I really want that teacup because I love to drink coffee out of that. <laughs> that is a bulbous ship. Well, this ship has been, had been seen numerous times. Like, it first appeared in Search for Spock. Yeah, it's a, and then, uh, it's a really bulbous ship. Um, and then they uh, revisited this opening scene on Voyager. Have you seen that one? Really? No, I'm not familiar. So, to be as quick as possible, Tuvok on Voyager has a bit of a... He's got like a virus or something in his brain, and he mind melts with Captain Janeway to figure out what it is, and he gets brought back to this time. So he is an actually, he's an unseen officer on the bridge of the Excelsior. Get out. And they recreate this. Yeah. Oh, this is fantastic. It's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Do they have so a Sulu? Like, uh-huh. Well, they, they brought everybody back. It what? takes place at this moment. It's called Flashback. Oh, it was it was Voyager's 30th anniversary tribute, just like DS9's Trials and Tribulations was. That's okay, what Voyager okay. did. To, uh, That's fun. Um, That's really fun. Speaking of anniversaries, this film... Um, was released for the 25th anniversary of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on at the time. And one of the things that with this film has to do with Nicholas Meyer is that Star Trek V was a turd at the box office. Yep. Not that Star Trek films ever were huge at the box office, but they had moderate, they had modest budgets and they did made back their money plus some. Right. Uh, but Star Trek V was really, really a stinker. Um, and actually. This was going to this film was going to have about half the budget that it wound up having. Yep. And but one of the executives wanted to make somewhat of a big deal for the 25th anniversary. Right. And up the budget and then brought in Nicholas Meyer. Well, because he was what was going to cost a lot of money. It was going to be Nicholas Meyer. Well, have you ever heard about what the original concept of this movie was? They wanted to do the young Kirk Spock meeting at the academy. They wanted to kind of do what yes. the first Abrams Trek film right. ended up doing. But. Paramount realized that they well for the 25th anniversary they didn't want to bring in a whole bunch of new people to, to reboot the, the the roles they wanted to give like one last right. hurrah to the original cast, which makes a lot of sense. But there was a lot going on in Trek world at this time. You know, obviously that's the final film of the original cast. It's the 25th anniversary. Next Generation is kind of firing on all cylinders at this point. It's in its fifth season. Leonard Nimoy had already, had already made an appearance on Next Gen by this point right. during the unification to kind of bring awareness to this movie. And Michael Dorn, as Worf's grandfather, appears in this movie later on. I love it. But um, Now, I've been told, I have no memory of it, but my dad has told me that he brought me to see this when it came out, but I do not recall. Really? At all. I would have been, was this 1991? I would have been going on six years old, I think. Wow. Yeah. I I do not uh, have any, and my dad's not a Trek fan at all. Nobody in my family is, except me. Right. So... There's the Excelsior, excuse me, dedication plaque, which I never noticed. Mm. Yeoman Rand, or Janice Rand, Commander Rand at this point. That's a fun shot right there. You know, every time we see the Golden Gate Bridge, like, I'm never really clear what's, is Starfleet on both sides of the bridge? Like, it's like, I'm like, where are they, you know? Because that was not the San Francisco side, I don't think. That was the, I forget what it's called. I've never been to, on the other side. Is it Oakland? 
No, no. Oh, um, it's San Francisco on one side, and then it's this very um, hilly, kind of like a little seaside, almost like you the know, Presidio? Mar- Marblehead, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. It's almost like a little Marblehead city, and then hills and very... Born and raised in Massachusetts, never once been to Marblehead. Whoa. Never once been to Marblehead. Anyway. Um, yeah, that seemed to be the other side, not the San Francisco side. San Francisco side's not really... But then sometimes side. you seem to... They must have buildings on both sides. Or, or it's just or whatever they suspect right. affects crew sides to do for that film. Yeah. Um, um, so now we've got sort of the top brass getting together to talk about what's happening with um, the Klingon Empire. Yeah, he that is the CNC, I assume, Commander-in-Chief. He was Makes introduced sense. as a CNC. I, I don't know, I could be wrong. Makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, yeah, Admiral Cartwright next to uh, Spock, the uh, who's in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Mm. I like that Spock was in on the whole thing, you know. Spock is actually much higher ranked than anyone else. He's in on these secret mm. things happening. It makes a lot of sense that... Spock would be the one I'm to rise in the diplomatic corps. I am noticing a, a slight discovery parallel already. Um, like his father, sort oh, of trying yes. to work with the Vulcans, and, or uh, the Klingons and, and uh, the Federation. That's very true. He's continuing kind of to work peace. with his father. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm noticing, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I like that one of the reasons they say that the Klingons have this problem is because their enormous military budget, which is mm-hmm. a direct parallel to the Soviet Union. So they really are laying it on quite thick here. Is it, and is it also, because they say like it's, it's they, they say it's like, I'm remitting hostility that the Klingons can no longer afford. I mean, is that... Yeah, of, so one yeah. of the plans... That's bring... Walter Koenig's wife, by the way. Excuse me. Oh, right yeah. there. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. One of the plans for of the Reagan administration, I mean, in a simplistic way, is that uh, they knew that the Soviet Union was doing poorly economically, and they also knew that the Soviet Union had to match the U.S. in its military production. So if the U.S. stepped up its military production, Soviet Union would be forced to follow suit, and that would further destabilize their economy, yep. and that would hasten their um, collapse. And, you know, historians argue about it, but to some extent that, that did help. The thing about this movie that, and I know that Roddenberry had an issue with it, is that they're kind of being racist about the Klingons in this movie. You know, it's not like... Yes. Yes, and that was actually something that um, uh, Shatner had a problem with in this film. And he actually, while they were filming it, every time that he said something about hating those Klingon bastards for what they did to his son, Mm -hmm. Shatner insisted that they do another scene where he played it differently, where he understood and he was more understanding and was not as quick to judgment. And so there's another cut of this film somewhere where Kirk is not actually angry at the Klingons hmm. for um, attacking and with, killing his son. With the real world parallels, am I to infer that there may be, there was like a version of this happening within our government? Uh, yeah, I think to some like degree, of this, sure. Of this scene, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I think this is interesting because we have a very similar situation where um, of the true discovery, right? Because in discovery, there are many people that um, you know have very low opinions of the Klingons. Including funny if in Michael discovery, Burnham. but in discovery, the Klingons didn't try to hack anything. No, they did not try to uh, throw the. Uh, <laughs> The Starfleet elections. One thing about this movie that... Well, it doesn't bug me, but... 
it kind of, I almost feel like, maybe rightly so, it kind of acts like Star Trek V. <laughs> Star Trek, yeah, we'll discuss that line in a second. Star Trek V doesn't exist. Look at that lady sitting in the background. I've always, that's always bugged me. Like, who is that? Stenographer, probably. Just kind of. <laughs> just takes notes. And, and what I mean by that is, Klingons are also the villain at five. But Kirk doesn't seem to hold a grudge against them for what they did to his son. Right. And yet it seems to now rear its ugly head again in this yes. movie. And that's Nicholas Meyer. Right, of course. Who's yeah. a smart enough director. See, look, let them die. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, uh, see, now she's gone. So I love that Nicholas Meyer was smart enough to know that, you know, it wouldn't matter how good of a person or how much of a diplomat Kirk had become, mm. the group that was responsible for killing his son, would there would be a grudge left there that he would be very hard for him to... Even though aside. Kirk did kill the captain who did it. Right. But, but yeah. Aside from maybe Spock, yeah. I don't think anyone could have been expected to just forget the that and let go. Bridge. It's always bugged me that this... It's not the same bridge from 5. Yeah. The thing is, in 5, and that's... Shat, not Shatner's direction, but the production designer's direction is because the ship, the Enterprise had actually had carpets and whatnot. And they were trying, and they were like saying, we're heading into the sort of next, next generation time. aesthetic. And now we're yeah. kind of back to this. And like again, it. this is more Nick Meyer's touch. I like this. And I feel like that's kind of the reason for a lot of maybe design inconsistencies because you have a different director or a different production guy coming in just kind of putting their stamp on it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And, um, like I don't know if they have radar in space. I mean, it is the same. Br- I mean, it is the same bridge. It's yeah. the same set. No, I I love this. I like personally. I think it's a fan the other thing that bugs me. A lot of things bug me. Um, is that they're on the Enterprise A, which was introduced at the end of the Voyage Home, and we've got one movie with it already, Star Trek Five, and now this one they decommission it. Now we don't know how much time has passed, but I'm like that ship's doesn't seem to be in service for very long for that. Right. One. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, like you said, they were just doing whatever in these films. So that's another good thing to point out for the um, Discovery design haters, is that in the films, the design jumps all over the place. Right, but I also think, and you've heard me say this, I don't think I've said it on the on the show, but I think I've just kind of said it when we've hung up and whatnot, but like, I like to think that things got so advanced that you don't need holographic or, you know, screens everywhere to kind of, you know... As technology, it's been proven as technology advances, it gets more small, it gets smaller and more compact. So right. by the time you reach Picard and everybody, there's hardly any consoles on the bridge. Right, which makes sense, because yeah. look at the way our technology is going. It's all becoming right. more voice interface. Although my phone got bigger. Well, that's, that's your fault. That's my fault. <laughs> um, nice scene here, putting his son's picture. Yeah. Um, could never forgive them for the death of my boy. So, uh, another thing that, that... So, we had Shatner who wanted to redo the scenes so that mm. he didn't seem as angry. You had, um, now unfortunate to say, of course, the death of... Um, David. Roddenberry. Oh, Roddenberry, I'm sorry. Comes in because Roddenberry came in, looked at the script, and saw what they were shooting. He wanted to cut out, I think, something like 40% of the film. He Change was... it. He wanted to make them reshoot 40% he... of the film. It's been, like, said that he was very, like, there was a lot of Trek that he just didn't consider canon. You know, right. like, that he disregarded and everything. Like, you know, I guess 
the the story goes, and I don't even know if it's true, and I'm sure the fans have heard that as soon as he finished the screening of this movie, he called his lawyer. Yeah, see, I think that yeah. is what it was. He was planning to try and get them to yeah. cut and reshoot the film. Now, here we have the character introduced. Who was uh, going to be Savick. Yes, who was going to be Savick, but Kirstie Alley was um, making that uh, Cheers money by this point. On the same, on the same uh, back lot, though. Paramount. Yeah, she could just come over between Cheers takes. But I think the other thing was that they... I think also that she didn't believe that Savick would do that. Well, here's the thing. Interestingly, um, the script... But it would be a big shock to the audience, too. Well, that was the idea. So, yeah. uh, here's the thing, though. They wrote the script with Kirstie Alley in mind. Mm-hmm. When she when they couldn't get her, um, they just kept the script the same. They changed only a couple of lines. Mm-hmm. So, this character, they just sort of pretended like she had the same history with Spock that, that the Kirstie Alley character right. that Savick had. So, the script is almost word for word the same. Yeah, they. I mean, they're definitely Savick's lines. Yes. But, uh... Kim Cattrall, yeah, she had done... She's in Mannequin. That movie Mannequin, right? Isn't that yep, her? she was in and Mannequin. This is, um, she was not yet uh, Samantha. This is, this is pre-Sex in the City, right? Yes, um, Sex in the City. But... Were you going to mention... Because you laughed about the only Nixon go to China line. Oh, were you going to mention that? Yeah, it was just a very fun um, yeah. Spock saying, uh, there's an old uh, Vulcan proverb. Only, only Nixon, Nixon can go, go to China. China. Which, of course, for anyone who's not a history uh, person or a political person... Yeah. means that since Nixon was such a cold warrior against communism in the 50s and early 60s, people would only accept opening up you know, diplomatic ties with China from Nixon because they knew someone as staunchly anti-communist as Nixon, there's no way he could have any bad motives behind it. Mm-hmm. He clearly is doing it for the right reasons. Whereas if someone that people consider to be a lefty or a liberal, right, they would think, oh, you're just trying to open with communism because you want to be a communist or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just fun to have that there. And this comes up later when they have the uh, you, you, the Shakespeare, you know, the original Klingon is another uh, little joke about Because obviously, Wilkins right. don't have a Nixon saying. And- I, I gotta say, I've never noticed it before, but I'm just noticing it now. Like, pay attention to the sets. Like, the amount of, like, wear and tear that's being depicted on the on the ship itself, like, mm. you know, scratches or, like, scuff marks, like, it's an old, like, they're depicting the Enterprise now as, like, a really old ship, and I'm like, but this is a new Enterprise, we only, yeah. we only just got it, now, well, maybe, you know, I don't know what happened in between. I think Star Trek is maybe just finally caught up to that idea of the George Lucas, the lived-in see, universe. Yeah, see, look at it on the, right, on the right of the ship? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just makes it look more realistic. Yeah. Because things don't stay new for long. I get it, but it's like, it's the future, man. Like, it's gotta be nice and silvery and shiny. <laughs> well, I mean, that's one school of thought on it, I guess. Yeah. Well, Star Trek's always been kind of squeaky clean, I think. Yeah, which I like, though, that they're now showing it in a, more, a little more realistic here. That it would be uh, broken down a little bit. But there's, you know, there's no stuff. There's no duct tape on that, uh, on the seats or anything. No. No, it's not like Fraser's dad's recliner yet. Right. Um, David Warner, who was in Star Trek V. Chronos 1. Yeah. Did you ever find out oh, that a Klingon has a British accent? Did you ever find that strange? Uh, they must have learned... Because um, he plays a Cardassian in Next Gen. Yeah. And same thing. They must have learned accent. English from uh, the BBC. <laughs> I mean, all the villains in Star Wars have 
English accents, and they're not even near Earth. Right, and so does Princess Leia sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes. Although I always thought she was imitating Governor Tuck when she did that. Could be. Um, so now we have the diplomatic meetup here, and they send Spock. I mean, he looks like Lincoln. And Kirk comes out to uh, to meet them, and mm. Kirk's not too happy about it. He's no. very suspicious. I always love these. I just side by. I've always loved these mm. uniforms. I've never seen anybody cosplay these uniforms like that well. No, they often look awful. I, yeah, they do, right? <laughs> they, I, I just, I love these uniforms so much. I think it's because they really have to be a good fabric for them to work. And whenever yeah. I see them cosplayed, they're they're not a good fabric. That's like a thick, no. like a wool or something. It's a well, they got like a turtleneck underneath. The turtleneck is perfectly yeah. Those ribs on the turtleneck are yeah. perfect. I've never seen that done well. Yeah, you're right. Because usually they're made out of this thin. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. The 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 boat swain's whistle, but the electric one. Yep. That makes me wonder, is it actually a synthesizer? Or is it just a whistle with lights on it? No, the cool thing about Gorkon, I think, right here, is that he's made out to look like President Lincoln. Do you think? Oh, definitely. There's no doubt about it. Look at him. The beard? It's the beard. Like, okay. th- th- that is no doubt about it. He is... Okay. Lincoln. Although it's Gorkon, sort of like Gorbachev. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And they have red. Well, yeah. everybody has red. Um, so one of the things, so it's interesting, because we're keeping the Discovery spotlight on here. Um, notice that there are many different levels of head ridge to all these different Klingons. Mm-hmm. And some are more extreme than others. And some are much more, you know, mild. Like, hers is very mild. Yep. This, uh... Guys, what more extreme? This guy's barely anything. Chang, dude, he's from Discovery. He's got no hair. Yeah, Chang. Like, but he's a Discovery Klingon. I mean, look well, at him I mean, right but now. look at his. Yeah, no, but... He's, but he doesn't have it. But some of them, as you'll see, actually have the ridges go down onto their nose, which is very similar. Yeah, they to all what look. We see. They all look different. which yes. which I love. Which I like to imagine that maybe the houses, or the twelve houses of uh, the Klingons, perhaps each house has a different level of right. Well, I think that's also kind of their version of the, you know, humans having different skin color, right? Yeah. You know, it's sort of like the... Oh, no, well, actually, no, that's not true, because, you know, you have darker skin Klingons also, so... That's true, and I'll buy an opinion. Yes. That is but the next generation... That is the next generation transporter room, by the way. Um, Most of these sets, all of these sets, aside from the bridge, are basically next generation sets, which okay. are in turn... Uh, yeah, that is definitely Which true. are in turn uh, sets from the... Uh, Motion picture and rapid con. Okay. Inspector Spock. And then um, they just did film this on the off season or something, probably. Uh, yeah, most likely. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one interesting note on Kim Cattrall um, mm-hmm. character is that her haircut, yep, is very much this hipster uh, young woman haircut I've been seeing a lot around town. <laughs> Where it has like these bangs that are shaved all yeah. the way to the ears, and then it's no hair underneath in the front, but then hair in the back. So very ahead of, ahead of the time there. Um, and speaking of next gen sets, this is the next generation observation lounge. But they have meetings. Oh, that's what that's okay. what set this is. Yeah, you can tell because of the kind of curve and everything. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting. And the windows. See the windows. The windows. The windows. <clears throat> so here's the. Um, the title, The Undiscovered Country, The Future, Hamlet Act 3, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Interesting. Now, here's what I think. That's is- Nick Meyer's stamp, because everything that comes out of General Chang's mouth is a Shakespeare quote. I know. It's very interesting. Here we go yeah. again. Oh, I know where you're going with this. 
So, also interesting that we hear Klingon being spoken. Now, this is a discovery thing to think about. It's the same language, but it's not as halting, I would say, is the word, as it's spoken in Discovery. Right. Discoveries are... Oh, I thought you were going to say that. Well, in here it's very much like they say it, but it's just like... You know, it's not as... Isn't Chang's line there, like, similar to one you were saying one time about, like, the Germans... Didn't they say something like that? Like, you've not experienced Shakespeare since you've heard it in the original Klingon. Like, did the Germans say something about, like, Shakespeare being... That I'm not sure about, but what where I do you, know... Where did I get that from? Is that... I, was you. I like the way he says, to be or not to be. Now, what does that mean? It, in that moment, to be or not to be, Hamlet is trying to decide whether or not to kill himself. Yep. And to Chang, this is a moment where the Klingons have to decide whether or not to kill their culture in their way of life. Right. Also... Much of Shakespeare is about intrigue and double cross and mistaken identities and, you know, power struggles and things. So it's very fitting that Shakespeare is being brought up here. And murder, most foul, also comes up quite a bit in Shakespeare. Well, I mean, and I think the theme of this is uh, one of the themes is very similar to a theme, you know, with the Cold War, with the Cold War ending, you know one of the ideas was, have we reached the end of history? You know, mm. if I have no more enemies, have we reached the end of history? Right, that lasted for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> it was very nice while it lasted. Right, sure. And then uh, Global War on Terror came and took its place. Yep, and Trek adjusted to that. But... So, I like the... the it's such uh, a Nick Meyer movie, too. The Hitler quote of... Um... Now, the Klingons are very well-versed in, you know, classical... Uh, earth literature and earth history that you can drop a Hitler quote and they can get that and know to be insulted by it. So that's very I love this line coming up that uh, he has. This one right here. If there was to be a brave new world. Yes. Our generation is going to have the hardest time. Yeah. So these guys actually... as far as they know, you know, because all they know is hate is disdain for one another and they're not yes. going to be able to... And they think that the younger people will get it better. Now, this is interesting because they, they really recognize, he recognizes that they are both of the older generation. They've been fighting each other their whole, yep. you know, their whole careers. Now, here's Chang. Now, Chang's dropping some hints here. Big time dropping hints. He's so obviously the villain, too. Yes, like, and the way he's he's um, saying, you know, that's what I love about him. one warrior to another. Now, well, here's one scene I never got the whole time that I've seen this film. I never quite got it. So when they're sitting at the table and one of them says, I thought um, Romulan ale was illegal. And mm. Kirk says, well, there are benefits to being... Whatever. One of the oh, one uh, of them, one of the Klingons gives him this look. One of the advantages look. of being a thousand light years from Federation yes. headquarters. One of the Klingons gives him this look, which I never could read. Meaning, like he can just, I guess, like meaning I can do it and not get caught. Right, but one of the Klingons gives him a look. Yeah, I know. Like, I, it's, it's almost it's like shock guy. and it's horror. The, it's the same guy. Yeah, he's just kind of. I know. Yeah, yeah. He's he just still staring. Looks at him. Like, still staring what? at him. It, like makes his face <laughs> as if. Uh, I've always noticed that too. I don't understand it. Was he trying to show that? It's almost as if you're saying, I'm outraged that you would break Federation alcohol laws. Or, like, he doesn't see the humor in, in that. Yeah. I think Kirk's trying to be funny, and he's just like, oh. I, yeah, I got the impression that he seemed angry or outraged. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, these people break the rules? I can't believe it. Which seems very strange. 
I like that part of this plot hinges on them all being very drunk. <laughs> More drunk than they expected to oh, be. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I want that blanket, too. Stuff that influences like, your sunbrush. It's better than those shiny blankets from next gen. Mm. They even bring back the original door sound effects. All the movies didn't have those. They're bringing back from the series. Great. Now, is that circulating clearly a radar? Is that new? I, I, I assume it's just scanning the area. I don't know. Yeah, it's goofy because it's clearly a, a radar. And they have to use radar in space. Uh, no widescreen in the, uh, on this ship, huh? It's no. all 4x3 resolution. Cathode ray tube. No. No, I'm sure that that's, you know, it's... <laughs> I love that, like we've come. Aluminum. I love that we've come so far on track that, like, you look at those consoles now, and it's like you don't know what it is. But like Discovery, you can kind of figure out. Oh, I know that's probably this, or that's probably that. Those are just like, oh, we just need like cool, futuristic-looking graphics sitting in the background. Yeah, yeah. So then we have the attack. I this is, I mean, you know, on first viewing, this is really great because. You know, you see the, the panic well, in their eyes, and they're yeah. like, we, we're not shooting, but we are shooting. What's happening? It's very well done. And they switches to the uh, handheld camera to show the intensity of it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this is, you know, things are going real south here. I've always wondered, like, if they... They're not sure if they fired it or not. If they fight or not. They think they did. And I, right. and I think to myself, like, can't you recognize what your own torpedoes look like when they shoot? <laughs> like, if they don't look different, if they look different, it's like, well, that's not us. Our torpedoes don't look like that when they get fired off. Right. Right. Lucky yeah. for them, they look the same. Yeah. Deck 13, luckynumber.com. So then I got asked if we fire those torpedoes. Torpedoes. No, yeah, this is like a very... This is more of a, you know, it's a sci-fi film, but it's more of a thriller. Not, you know, I see it more as a, it's yeah, a, yeah, like yeah. a thriller, right? Definitely. And this here, we get to see the murderers. Those are my favorite phasers, too, by the way. I love those They phases. look like the, the NX-01 phasers, don't they? Kind of, yeah. They have that rounded top? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, uh, it looks like the Enterprise I love phasers. those phasers. Um, yeah, because here we get to see the murderers, and yet we still don't quite know what the heck is going on. Right. Those suits are great, too. Never seen those before. Um, so one thing with this is that they, the blood couldn't be red for the rating purposes. Mm -hmm. So they just made it pink. So they made it pink. Magenta. It's written for the time, though. It's also extremely groundbreaking CGI. It's definitely because you're in, you're in a very well, you're in a very early period of CGI. Well, like Terminator Two had already come out of this. Yeah, I was just gonna like, say Terminator Two had been out. So but this, this was, was like, re, but it was really kind of the beginnings of it. You know? Yeah, of course. To our eyes, now, I think, it looks so much like computer graphics on top. Right, of it. but even at that point, it was sort of like you didn't get CGI in every movie that you saw. So it was like right. every time you saw it, you're like, oh wow, now it's in, now it's yeah everywhere. And to have it be, um, you know, there's no. If they had just had blood in any regular way, it would have been much less convincing, given that they're in zero gravity here. Right. And uh, I just look at this and I just think to myself, you know, because you know I love movies and how they're done everything like that. And yeah. Other, I'm like, this must have been such a bitch to shoot with them yeah. being suspended like that. And... Yeah, but it's so well shot. I mean, even just that last scene of yeah. the camera way on the ground with the, the boots going up the stairs. I mean, Meyer is fantastic. He really is. 
he brings a, a visual language to Star Trek films that we don't always get, especially when you've got uh, Shatner, so Shatner the, directing. No one offense. thing about this I noticed is that you know his ship is named Kronos One, right? Which is interesting because which he, is the name of the Klingon homeworld. But I'm assuming like right. that's that's probably the name of the flagship of any Klingon Chancellor. Like I didn't, yeah, because I know that it's Kronos One. But it's not the planet. It's it's pronounced Kronos the planet, but it's not spelled that way. Right. And I'm like, and I used to try to like, oh, is it Koyos? What? And they just call it Kronos. I'm like, oh, so it's the same. Oh, I get it. Right. Yeah, that's found that very strange. Yeah. I always thought Chris Christopher Palmer was a very underrated Trek villain. He just uh, won an Oscar the other night. For what? I have no idea. <laughs> Some movie. Oh, wait. Was he in uh, The Shape of Water? No. Was but some... Sar- Saru was. Yeah, he didn't win, though. No, but still. Well. It, did it win Best Picture, though? It yeah, it won Best Picture. Yeah, so, in a way, time. you know, Saru, you know, got an Oscar for Best Picture. His performance was part of an Oscar-winning Best yeah. Picture. Let's hope we don't lose him. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, well, no. <laughs> hope he's not too big for them now, right? Well, I think he's been in every... Well, he's a really good, like, he's known for his, like, creature, he's a creature actor. Yeah, Yeah. and I think he's been in every um, uh, film by Mm. that director that has had a masked creature in it. I Mm. think he played two different creatures in, um, you know, the one with the fist. (laughs) I wasn't even looking at you, and I saw you did. Yeah, you know the film I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, Pan's Labyrinth. He played two different creatures in that. Uh, so Guillermo del Toro, yes, he's been in, um, I think, most of Guillermo del Toro's films. Playing, of course, Abe Sapien in um, the Hellboy franchise. So this, I mean, again, as you mentioned, was a touchstone for in the development of Discovery, so we are told. And as I mentioned, it was rumored that this was going to be, Discovery was going to pick up after this movie. Which, to kind of see, would you? Kind of have, how would you have felt about that? Well, it would have been weird because the conflict's over. I mean, it could have picked up in the like, will we or won't we piece, and some people are for it, some people are against it. I guess that would have been well. You interesting. Also to, I mean, you also have to know this too that like, because this came out in nineteen ninety one. Next generation is in season five, so every season of next gen prior to this, even though in the canon this has already happened but the movie wasn't written yet mm-hmm. the Klingons are still kind of hostile up until that point up until like we're past the point of this movie coming out so like and I they think they mentioned they've got no they mentioned that oh so they mention remember the the um the episode you remember yesterday's you remember yesterday's Enterprise he's opening a can episode of course you remember yesterday's Enterprise which is the Enterprise C, which is, you know, about maybe 30, 40 years after this one. One of the crew members mentions that they were negotiating a peace treaty with the Klingons. Why did they need a peace treaty? So, there's a canon issue there, unless, like, what's signed at the end of this movie is not necessarily a peace treaty, but it's the beginnings of what eventually leads to a peace treaty or something? I don't know. But you have to assume, but you have to assume too, that, like, even by the early days of Next Gen. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if Discovery had taken place after this... There'd be some growing pains. Yeah, well, look. Some you know, you're not just friends overnight. Like, Russia and the United States 
they kept sign they kept having negotiations for say like nuclear disarmament treaties after the cold war ended so right. there were many reasons to maybe negotiate i really love this is a great scene of deforest kelly yeah. um you know playing the uh i'm opening a camp missile frenzied doctor yeah. at least i stepped away from my <laughs> yeah, but you, it's still going to be... You, you walked about 10 feet away, and it's still... They're still going to pick it up. Tweet us. Let us know if you heard my opening of a Diet Ginger Ale. You can also hear me pouring it, because I like to drink out of cups with fancy glasses with ice and straws. Oh, he's just tapping it down on them, too. No respect for the listener. All right. Um, so I love you know this you performance to. of... Bones, you know... Going hard trying to save this guy. Yeah. With his little tools and whatnot. And then he starts doing the. Look, he's up on the table. This is like a performance of a lifetime for DeForest Kelly here. We've never seen him put this much into it. Usually you just kind of stand in there. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe he should have won an Academy Award for it. Look at that. Look at this. The pain in his eyes. He knows what this means. He knows what it means for the Federation. But he tried. He tried. I mean, it wasn't like. Yeah. Which is, you know, I get that this Chang guy is a. Warrior and all, but mm-hmm. the fact that he never once considers like these two came over there of their own free will, never asked to, tried to save him, like really shows his uh, villainy. <clears throat> um, also interesting. So, right, everybody listening, there's no spoilers here. People know they've seen the film, I'm sure. So, um. I really like that we're given... Like fucking eavesdropping. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go He's on. a communications officer. Right, He's communicating. Just, he knows to get through. I love that. What's her name, King Patrol? Valeris. Yeah, so Valeris. I love that at the beginning of the film, Valeris gives us the foreshadowing, and she gives us, in a very Shakespeare way, she gives us a little anecdote mm-hmm. that is actually tells us what the whole film is. So at the beginning, she says, she gives a story about the saboteurs. Or maybe it's here she does it, but she tells a story about saboteurs okay. and where the word comes from. This is when, when, um, oh, I turned that off. Sorry. It's not, it's not coming from my phone. It's coming. Oh, it's coming from this. Okay. When, um, Japan Sorry. was being industrialized, there were some people that were committed to the old way of life. And so they <laughs> wanted to stop the change. So they, they took their traditional wooden sandals and threw them into the industrial machines so to break them and try to stop it. And those shoes were called Sabo. So they were called Sabotors, which where Sabotors comes from. So it's interesting that it's her that tells us this anecdote, mm. knowing that it's her that is doing the same thing but to these peace talks. Um, it's a very it's a very Shakespearean idea. Is this the dad this is, this from is... Malcolm in the Middle? I mean, no, that's that well, 70s show. Sure, yeah. But this set, <laughs> okay, this set is also is ten forward. Oh boy! There's a replicator <laughs> behind the Klingon Chancellor. Like wow. you, it's noticeable by the doors when they come in. Wow! All right, so there's tell a replicator me this. behind the Romulan. That's a replicator. Okay. But they shouldn't have replicators. But that is so they, it's they're missing the bar. It's not a replicator. It's a microwave. Right. The Guinan's bar should be right there. It's yeah. not there. They're sitting. Yeah. There's Sarek. Okay. Discovery. So, again, parallels. We have Sarek here. Again, trying to step in the middle, trying to. They're in Paris. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Okay, this was never. Who is this guy? He's a Romulan. No, but like the main this guy. Who? Him. Him? Yeah. He's the Federation president. He's the president of the, of the Federation. That was never made clear. Kurtwood Smith. 
Well, they say call him Mr. President. Yeah, maybe once. <laughs> this president is not above the law. Okay, twice. <laughs> All right, fair. <laughs> <And> then... <laughs> All right, you got me there. Anyway. It's not made clear. What's his, um, where's he from? What's his planet? I don't know. We, we see one of his people in uh, because... the beginning of the voyage home. I don't know what they're called. Because he just looks like a, like a, like a big trouble in little China kind of character. He does. You know, with the he hair does. and the very uh, over the top. I, I, I think, I don't think his race is ever, the name of oh. is ever mentioned on screen, but I know that one of them is seen at the beginning of the voyage home. Yeah. So interestingly, here's the, Here's the uh, the little story that she tells. Very interesting that the character who's responsible for everything is telling the exact motives for why that character is responsible. She just for said it. Mr. President, by the way. You got me there. <clears throat> oh, her name is. Uh... Rosanna DeSoto is her name. The actor's name. Actress's ah. name. It means nothing, but um, Sarek's looking good. Sarek's looking exhausted. Because he's like, we've been through this with these people yeah. so many times. I like his uh he's like though. he was like that fucking asshole on Discovery, Captain Lorca. <laughs> like, I've been going through this for my whole goddamn like life. 30, my own daughter like thirty years ago. My own daughter did this. Would you like to yeah, like, it's it's so, we can't even hazard a guess, but, like, it'd be interesting to see, like, where Burnham is and everybody at this point. Right, right. Yeah. Um, what ship is Tilly captaining by this point, yeah? Right, Tilly. Yeah, so I, I do love the fact that we've got Sarek here yeah. and Sarek in Discovery. I have to say, the this is one thing I don't think we've talked about, but the casting of Sarek in Discovery is really good. Yeah, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't really on board with it in the beginning, and that's something against the, the actor. I guess I just didn't really fully grasp why he was needed, other than to just provide a link to the original series. Right, but I think he, you know, in a Zachary Quinto kind of way, um, you know, is a very good younger version of of the character. Not ex- looking not exactly like him, but enough, and then really doing it with the acting, making it work. Now, I think a big thing to discuss, because you're a fan, mm. you remember the episode of Enterprise? Yes. That, more or less, they called it like a an homage to Six, but it was, let's be honest, they just flat out copied the damn well, thing. Well, I mean, you know, the way I see it is that if someone were on trial in the United States, it would look very much the same from... Well, they call this a show trial, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, similar to what most authoritarian uh, countries have, is they have a trial where they already know what the person's going to be found. Can I just mention, I love the fact they that They just my, do it to do it. I love the fact that my subtitles are actually putting this in Klingon. It doesn't, it doesn't say speaking in Klingon, it's actually putting in the Klingon Yeah. That's very strange. Um, uh, I really like, too, that his eye patch is bolted into his skull. Yeah, it looks... It makes me, it makes me, it makes me cringe looking at it, in all honesty. Like, I just... It's a little over the top, I'd say. Yeah. But, um, was that an albino I'm, judge? An albino cameo? Yep. What do you think about Slash Tyler in there? <laughs> no, Slash Tyler. Um, Human. Now. There's Worf. Yeah, this is fun. This is really fun. Worf's granddad. <laughs> yeah. I like that they get to watch it on TV. Really kind of providing 
you know, a, a good link to the next generation, even though McCoy's in the pilot episode of Next Gen. But this really does link the two shows together, which I really like. Oh, yeah. If only we could get um, Michael Burnham in here somehow. I like how you have the... You got the one, you got the one single Klingon laughing at it. <laughs> 27 years. So, you know, could that be under Pike at some... Well, was chief ship surgeon. I like to think that maybe before that he was he was serving under Pike. Could be, could be. Um, yeah, yeah. So then the Romulan ale comes back, and they're using the Romulan ale against them. One thing I find interesting is that uh, the Klingons have toned down their cruelty to prisoners in the time between Discovery and this. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Ash and even uh, Captain Lorca got a much worse treatment than these two. Yeah. They have to what go. Break some rocks. There's even murdering. There's even murdering. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure that's just a matter of the change. But it's they fun to think it about. Down about it's good, yeah, because this is we're talking probably somewhere between like 30 and 35 years. You know, after Discovery takes place. Mm-hmm. This so. Um, yeah. Now maybe because. The houses have been unified. Maybe things have toned down a bit. Maybe some of the more extreme houses that were doing the torture. Who knows? But well, there was also, I think, there was a cold war going on between humans and the Klingons at this point. Anyway, like they weren't. It wasn't a hot war. They were Yeah, they weren't at hot war. I mean, there were there were spats here and there, but like. Yeah, it was not a full on. Yeah. Total warfare, but. This movie really fleshes the Klingons out, I think, because up to this point they were depicted as sort of like savage warriors. But like when they're all sitting together at the dinner table like that, you really get to see like, no, they were pretty well versed and like amazing culture. Like even in the Enterprise episode, but there's a conversation between Captain Archer and his lawyer and his lawyer is like resenting the whole like how they're all like becoming warriors and like senseless bloodshed, and he's like, yes. he said he said that they were once a great society. Yeah, it's like where honor was earned through true courage, not senseless bloodshed. Yeah, yeah, and he's like he doesn't like any of this because right. you know they go through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And clearly, they have even here like they have a culture, and they're sophisticated. It's just they're focusing on the more mm-hmm. violent aspects of the culture. So even when he's quoting. Shakespeare, he's quoting it sort of to back up his warrior mm-hmm. um, sort of ideology. Oh, you're right. So here's the big thing is that they have him on his um, captain's log saying, I've never trusted Klingons and I never will. Now, what we what I didn't really notice at the time, or the even question was, how did they get that? Right. And then that's the key on which it all hinges later when, of course, Detective Spock figures things out later. So yeah, I do like the way this is not only a suspense, it's also somewhat of a mystery. I, I'm 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 surprised though that I mean maybe it's not relevant to the case, but like 
The Klingons killed Kirk's son. All right. Yeah, yeah. A good lawyer would have brought that up. Yeah. Although either side could have. He could. The other side could have brought it up as going to state of mind, you know. Clearly he had motive to want to kill him because his son was killed. So, yeah. But one of them probably would have used it. Don't wait for the translation answer, man. I know that's taken from something, I think. On occasion, I have disobeyed orders. On occasion. How about, like, all 79 episodes? Right. Well, as they say, context is for kings. Oh, good episode, too. Nice lighting, too. This is the lighting of all trials. It's really... It's a pretty awesome set. Yeah. Yeah, that is an albino Klingon. It's gotta be. There we go. As a judge, so clearly their spot, their position in society is. So I can only guess just based off where we left with Discovery, but assuming nothing happens. But Emperor Giorgio is running around, maybe (laughs) somewhere from the mirror universe. She's around in this universe someplace. Like I just can't can't help but think, like, what's going on with the Discovery crew now? People from Discovery, (laughs) right? Right. Uh, Yeah, we'll probably find out one day. Novels or comics. Yeah, that's a Klingon. Oh, I never noticed the one sitting behind him. Oh, what was that? I don't know. That's like a really clear TV. I just never fucking noticed that before. Interesting. He's like, oh, man. Not this shit again. He's pissed. It's cool too because even though like that is Worf, like he he looks different. Like his yeah, forehead they ridges, aren't, ridges. His forehead ridges. ridges aren't the same. Yeah. Now I'd say that um... I'm really happy we found that this is an albino <laughs> Klingon. Like, yeah, I was like a, fucking really happy with about a this. robot bird hand. Yeah. Now one of the things I am glad that most of the depictions of Klingons recently have done is they've done away with the black ribbed vest and the gray you know like when all the non oh, there's two of them. main character Klingons mm-hmm. all wear that look at that it drives me crazy I never noticed that before the two Klingons sitting on either side of them the fuck's up with that they don't even look like Klingons that's kind of creepy I'm not gonna yeah. lie that's like really creepy there's some great Nicholas Meyer work now, Captain Archer was sent to Ruapente also. Yep. And you see Ruapente on a star chart in Discovery. <clears throat> oh, Scotty's fast, by the way. We're talking about costumes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen... There's a guy... He's been at, like, various conventions. Mm-hmm. He looks exactly like... James doing. Yeah. And like dresses as such. The guy's name is like Carl something. I forget. But like he looks, it's so frightening how much he looks like him. And he, like he plays to that. Oh, kind of like you know that guy. He's wearing Han Solo's pants by the way. Kind of like you know that guy that looks like David Tennant. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. And he plays to that. Yes. I'm sure the listeners find this all very fascinating. Kevin. <laughs> 
I'll say fucking Walter Koenig has, a, has some epic sideburns going on. Now, what but I don't get is again. how can Walter Koenig, I mean, <laughs> how's Chekhov saying, we fired, we definitely fired. From the angle, I guess. Yeah. So, here we go. Spock obviously is going to lay it on the law because he's the greatest. We got widescreen there. So the neutron energy surge, everyone noticed. It's fun to know what we know, and we can look at the character now that actually did it and see her facial expressions. Right. She's just kind of staring straight ahead. Probably listening and sweating to herself as Spock starts to piece it together. You have to wonder how she was able to get through all of it, since Vulcans are not very good at lying. I'm sure she like, justified it. <laughs> She's going to get the eyebrow done. Like, check it out. Like, when next time there's a close-up, like, Chekhov has some unreal sideburns. Like, they're so okay, long okay. and pointy. So like, I think, I'm jealous. I want sideburns, I think. I think since <clears throat> she had convinced herself that this <clears throat> was logical. Look at the... I messed it again. So, all right, here's something to consider. How she was able to do this. Two Two things. Look at what we saw Michael Burnham convince herself to do. To have a, a mutiny against her mother figure and, um, you know, a mentor. Mm-hmm. She convinced herself, when faced with the threat of the Klingons, she was able to justify having a mutiny. Um, it, it's almost as if there's something about the Klingons and the Vulcans, for some of them, that just really, you know, gets under their skin, drives them crazy, and they can't they can't think properly. Because I'm sure, just like to Michael, it made the most sense to her. She just thought so clearly, this is what we must do. We ha- I have to take over the ship. I have to destroy them. They're going to destroy yep. us. And same with this character, probably thought, this is their, this is a trick. They're going to take us out. We have to, I have to stop this peace process. It's the only logical thing to do. I don't think that Valeris wants, like, really wants to keep it a secret, though. Like, because she has all the answers, and she's just kind of saying, oh, it's this, or maybe it's that. And it makes sense, but, like... So you think she's sort of, I don't, like, I don't an think... extremist that wants to say, like, I just, yes, I did it, and I I'm do it pouring, again. I'm pouring, That kind of thing? I don't think that... Yeah, like, I don't think that... I feel like, like, short of, like, her coming out and saying, no, it's me, yeah, like, I did <laughs> she's not, like... She's not trying to hide it. She's not trying to hide it, really. She's not doing a very good job of hiding it. Like, the only thing she's hiding is admitting that she's in on it. Mm-hmm. And who else is in on it? So you think she's so sure of her actions that she will just, um... She'll almost admit it? Just... Yeah. To try to think she's going to convince everyone else that it's the right thing to do? I do. Makes sense. Because at the end, when she does say it, she doesn't seem very sorry about it. And she admits it. I believe we have another balls cling on. In the gulag. Oh, uh, well, kind of gulag. Mohawk. This is, uh... W... Oh, what the hell's his name? W. Morgan Shepard is the actor's name. Really? What are he's we known from? Uh, he, I know he's been on Voyager. He's been... He's, he's, a, he's kind of a trick... I see. He's been in. Uh, he's in the first Abrams film. He's the Vulcan. Oh, okay. That tries to um, who tells Spock that no Vulcan has ever uh, denied 
entry into the academy because of this. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that they start off showing like here are the consequences of. He's got a very um. Any issues? He's got a very noticeable uh, voice. I see. They throw this guy out into the snow and clear death. Yep. Those are some interesting dog masks that they got going on. Man, that's pretty terrifying. Honestly, the snow I'm death. Not gonna lie. No, it's the, the, the fucking dog. dog. Oh yeah, the yeah. All team. And I love dogs, but fuck. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering what it probably was like working with those dogs if they freaked out with the mask. I'm sure, they were well trained. But what kind of, well, not only that, I wonder what kind of fucking dogs they were. Yep, I believe that they even used this same set for uh, Enterprise. Really? So I think this is the. They just had the set laying around. Well, this is the kind of well, set you could use for lots no, of different I, things. Yeah, and I think they call. I think this is. I, I, I think I, I don't know, but I think this is the set they refer to on Trek as Planet Hell, mm. where they just reuse it like numerous times for different things. I could see. I could see a studio making good use of this set for lots. I don't of know. Things. You'd be surprised at the number of sets that like they held onto and mm. reused again, like <laughs> like the. You can see the split in the back of that mask on that green head, by the way, which is fun. I mean, on Voyager in the transporter room, the um, the transporter pads on the ceiling, they're the same ones from the original series. Holy crap. It's like... It's, yeah, it's like, like, this is a whole big... But, but the thing room. is, like, it's such a thing, like... Like, I've always found it, like, crazy that, like, props from the original series, like, continue to exist, or, like, from the sets. It's like, because you didn't know it was going to come back, so why would you keep it? Right. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of it in those days, maybe they just had like warehouses and they just, oh, just stick it in the warehouse and they yeah. would forget about it behind a bunch of things. Well, I guess um, after the uh, first movie was made, the motion picture, they went over to make The Rise of Khan, mm. they never dismantled the bridge set and it literally sat there untouched for like wow. two years. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm not even joking. That's really fun. Even if you uh, work there, you could just wander around with it. Iman, she's married to, or was married to, uh, David Bowie. Yes. May he rest in peace. Yeah. <clears throat> um, this is a fun character. And she's a uh, she's the shapeshifter, and I always like to think she could either be a Suliban or she could be a founder. I don't think she's a Suliban. <laughs> that would be kind of cool if she was, though. Yeah. yeah. A very beautiful woman. I always hate that. Like fans are like, "Oh, where is the Suliban?" and everything like that. Like wondering why we haven't seen. Like, it's a fucking. It's a big galaxy, man. Like. And your shapeshifters, they could be everybody. It could be everybody, it could be anywhere. But it goes back to my point where it's like, oh, the more references and connections you make to past, it's to me it shrinks the universe. Or right. Or before you know it, smaller. we're watching uh, Pike. We're watching right. a film called Pike. Uh, a Star Trek story. Oh, um, so, this something about this scene always made me laugh and I'll I will uh, the or, I found, or I found odd no no I, I'll explain <laughs> I'll explain to you when it happens okay um, I find the turkeys kind of funny god I'd love to have some turkey right now I think I'm just so really used, good too. I think I'm just so used to the replicators that seeing two turkeys on the table looks really funny alright so here's his, his alright number one you got phases in the kitchen I don't know why that makes sense um But whatever, I mean, it's for the sake of the scene, right? Yeah. But I have another thing I want to just point out, right? I would like to think that they wouldn't ma- mash the potatoes by hand with a whisk like that. Well, in the 23rd century, maybe. But, so they got a case of phases in the kitchen. Well, that makes sense. Whatever. How many times have they been boarded and they have to fight, you know? But 
okay. winter room. So she fuck she fucking fires the phaser at the mashed potatoes to vaporize the to the shell that things can dis- to be disintegrated. Right? Yes, and the and the alarm goes off. So everybody on the ship hears it. Yeah. Right. And now Uhura comes in. Yeah. With the security team, it's like, oh, somebody fired a phaser. It's got to be in the kitchen. Well, she probably has a little, like, like well, okay. Where did it come from? Here's my coup. Yeah. Right? So, you notice that every room has a schematic of the ship? Right. Like, even the turbo lift? <laughs> I it's the first place I'm go. sure, like, when the alarm goes off, a little red light goes on. Maybe. I just, Cause I, there's I no other know. explanation for having a, a, a schematic of the ship in the turbo lift. What well, is it? See where you're going. Oh, you don't know. It shows you where the... When I get in an elevator, I know where I'm going. Going up. I... <laughs> Watch the first movie. It shows it there. But I don't know. It's just... A lie. An error. I, I really do like the fact that... um, that This is very funny. Oh, man. He's, he's deep into planning his escape, and then we know when he's getting his butt kicked. I always like to think that this... Alien that Kirk is fighting mm-hmm. is a Jem'Hadar from Deep Space Nine. I'll take that. But know, it's not quite they right. Don't, no, they don't. This is dogs again. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a Jem'Hadar, but they don't, they don't have that much. Yeah. You know. And not that blue, not that light blue. No. Like that. But I mean, that's what happens when they don't see the sun for a long time because they've been underground. Jem'Hadars never see the sun. They're always in space. <laughs> yeah, but there's sun in space. Just not ours. Yeah. I don't know, that's all I got. They're underground. It's going to be bad for your complexion. They, I yeah, think they see the sun if they're looking out the window the whole time. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it's fun that... Um, half his face is red. You know, like... So in watching this, it's I almost would expect that we'd get a Kirk... Um, you know, like a nice double fist. <laughs> nice oh, double fist slam down. So we get the kick in that. And he tries... And he glows. Yeah. He tries a few of his signature moves. Like, he runs at him. Tries to like tackle him and just hits him and stops. I think it's really funny because we get this you know, thrown on its head. That yeah. This is not the young Kirk that we once knew. He cannot, um, you know, pummel someone to, to, into submission anymore. But he still can outsmart them by kicking them in the kneecap testicles. Which, for some reason, have no protection. Right. <laughs> and are not, yeah, it makes no sense. Right, but everyone does keep their genitals in a protected place. Not in the same place, but in a protected place. Yes. I mean, ours are not that protected, but they're more protected than we can. Those are easily right. Now, do you think that um, Shatner put into his contract that he had to uh, have a love interest with Iman? Um... I don't know. I mean... I can see him insisting. It's still kind of a nice throwback to the original series. So. Yeah, it is. It sort of makes for a nice little joke when um, yeah. Bones says, like, something. how do you do it, man? <laughs> well, it's like when... it's Because she comes up here in a second and they kiss and you just yeah. see him kind of roll his eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Like, Jesus. Always getting the girl. Except that one time I got the girl. And it ended badly for Bones when he got the girl. Didn't it? Uh, what? Didn't Bones get the girl once, but it ended really badly? Like, they were on some planet? Well, it was a salt vampire. An <clears throat> That didn't end well. 
No, because it was shape-shifting into his ex-girlfriend. Nancy. Yeah. And I actually remember Kirk was punching her in the face numerous times, and he's going, Stop it, Jen! <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, I'm sorry, it was Spock doing it. it was, Spock was <laughs> punching her, because he's like, That's not Nancy. If it was Nancy, she, and she's just like... He's like, if it was Nancy, could you take this? And he's just continually <laughs> punching her back. And he's, he's going, stop it! Stop it, Spock! And he already doesn't like Spock, so. Yeah. They let him keep his uniform nowadays. <laughs> what are they going to do with it? Well, they need them to work. <laughs> so, like, yeah, they don't have to give them their own clothes. Um... Yeah. I find that, for me, this is when the film drags a little bit when they're here. Yeah, I mean... We just kind of... It's like, I know they're going to get away. I kind of check out. I sometimes feel like, you know, because it's generally believed, at least up until the Abrams films came out, that the even-numbered Trek films were the best. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like this one, of the even-numbered movies, gets... is the most underrated. Yeah, because well, I mean, I feel like but that's only because two is two. Four, it's like four is awesome and it's funny. Right. And then it's you have funniest. first contact. Two and first contact are genuinely are like generally believed to be like the best ones. Four, I think, is in there too. But like, I, I don't know. Yeah, for you and I, I think it's four. Right? I, four was always my favorite. Four is always my favorite. Yeah, and I'm always sort of in the minority on that one. Everyone, yeah, except for that long period where I thought the motion picture was my favorite. I thought again. Well, I, the reason I like four so much—I mean, I like four for a number of reasons—but I know we're not talking about four. We can do a commentary on four at some point. Um, is all the shit that happened in two, and then all the shit that happened in three? It's all very like you know, heavy. It's dramatic. It's, mm-hmm. and then you finally get to four, <laughs> and then yeah, that was good. Bones reaction. And you finally get to four, and then finally it's like, oh, they can lighten up, and it can every you know. Yes, we can have just have like and, a yeah. One-off. It resolves everything, you know, Spock's yeah. back, you know. Yeah. But that was what was great about 2 and 3, was that, you yeah. know, it had this overarching story. But I think 4 really showed you how the staying power, because you didn't have the Enterprise. Right. It just showed you didn't need the Enterprise until it's, you know. Yeah, and it, it, it's fun, too, because it was like an episode. Yeah. I mean, I know that gets thrown around a lot. Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Yeah. Now, is he here because... He just was a fan because he was already well known. I, I heard some story a while back. I forget where I saw it, but like him talking about it, and I guess like yeah, he's a fan. But I think he had said like his mother or somebody that he knew was like ca- casting this movie. Okay, I think because he was already pretty famous at this point. He already done Heather's, and he had done um, that one where he was a DJ. Mm-hmm. So you know he was already an underground film heartthrob. Um. So uh, Kirk has hatched a plan to Dude, check out those sideburns. Seriously, okay, they're good. I mean, Look at those. standard for the Star Trek side. No, but his are just like they're huge. They're like long and I don't know. He's really mean? pointy. Oh, he's looking blood. That is definitely next gen's transporter. Okay, so that's the blood. So this is evidence that. Whoever beamed over definitely came back because I, they had the blood. I love I the it. fact that I can like watch Trek now. Yeah. And look at their technology. And I'm just like I don't know what that's supposed to be. But like some, to, some what I use in my daily on my in, you know, in my daily life is so much more advanced than that. 
Yeah. I really like this um, CSI Star Trek that's going on right now. Like, by the way. I was watching a few weeks ago. I was watching an episode of Voyager for some reason. And Balana had like a little scanner. It was like a little rod scanner with a light on it. And she's like waving. Look at all these scanners, by the way. Right. And she's wa- and there's no she's waving it in front of it. Just kind of, you know. Yeah. And I'm like thinking to myself. And she's like, oh. And she's <laughs> a metal detector. Right. <laughs> Clearly, though. They're, and she's they're like, like, oh, you know. All, this is a food replicator. Because And I'm like, what's telling her that? Like, there's no screen on your device. Like, how did what's telling her what it is? Is that a flashlight that you're using? I think it's haptic like, response. Yeah, maybe. And look, there is the culprit. Dax. Mm. Jadzia Dax. <laughs> yes. That would be cool, but it's not, no. you know, she's not, at that point, it's not Jadzia, I forget who it is, but it's not. Maybe it's just a common name. Anyway, Dax. Well, her earlier host, Emily, had a relationship with McCoy. Maybe then. Well, they mentioned that in the episode. That's great. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a Planet of the Apes. Uh, she says to um, very well in the middle there. She says to Cisco, um, "My host of the time was Emony," and she goes, "I always figured he'd grow, he'd become a doctor." And Cisco's like, "Why?" And she's like, "He had the hands of a surgeon." Yeah. So it wasn't at this point. That no, it was a long time. that would have been fun. Yeah. <clears throat> But I think it's known who. What's this guy? I think I think it's known what Dax was at the time. But what's it's this not, guy's species? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> so that's another thing that I think is is often a criticism for Trek. It's like, oh, we, they throw these new species at us. And I think they've always thrown new species at us. Weirdly, they just mm-hmm. make up a new makeup and oh, here's a new species. They don't all have to. Well, be. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good joke. Right. She looks so sad. It's that she is trying to cover it up. It's just not really working out. Somehow. I feel like there was a time in Trek, like maybe like later on the DS9, Voyager, and maybe even Enterprise era, where they kind of got less creative with the aliens and just kind of, you know, in terms yeah, of like the alien. Yeah, you know, like the alien makeup. Like they just didn't do much. Yeah, like, I feel that was cost. I had this real issue, like with Enterprise. They were uh, they went to this planet. It was like a season one episode, and they came across like an alien who was a human, but he had like a tattoo on his chin. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, do you not find that amazing that you're out <laughs> in space this far out and you find an alien that looks just like you? Like, doesn't even have anything on their forehead. Right. No, not even a forehead thing. I thought this like easily they escape. Like it's just simply <laughs> that easy. It's like you just well, gotta. I, yeah. Well, I think the thing is, I think it's um, you know, it's like Alcatraz. Right. They didn't think you could escape because if you tried to swim, you would get eaten by sharks. Or not that they were really sharks there, but you know, you would drown. Whereas um. Oh yeah. In this case, like they're out in the middle of the. Yeah. So go ahead. Like, yeah, you can go and escape. You're gonna, you're gonna freeze gonna, to death. Yeah, free, yeah. No, that's a good point actually. Thanks for that. Satiman, I guess. And they're too busy eating their um gach. They're eating their uh uh you know their gach threat on gach ganglia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Their imported threat ganglia. Their imported threat ganglia. That's just ganglia, yeah. I believe this cave appeared on next generation too. Makes sense. Reuse caves. Back to the Nice throwback to Star Trek V. Kirk uh, 
He's almost like hesitant to climb because of what happened in the last yeah. movie. I was, I was kind of. That's how I've always read that he look on his face. Gravity boost. Yeah. Uh, for past uh, escape attempts. I said that was the guy that they brought up in the beginning, but oh, they threw out. But I don't think it's him. Yeah, no, he's going a different way. No, they're definitely on location at this point. Yeah, Before they were just they on are. the set. I think they're in Alaska, actually. I guess yeah. that's easy. It was probably yeah easiest to get to from California. Yeah. Quick flight. But up. I guess like they were having like minor issues because it wasn't as snow covered as I were hoping. Yeah, I was even just excited. I wonder if they actually brought Shatner and everybody there, or if they just brought extras. It's got to be extras. I mean, they're you just don't even, Yeah, you can't even see them. So I, yeah. I highly doubt that's Shatner and the Forest Kelly. Yeah, I don't think Shatner. And if you're in makeup like that, like that alien, it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. Yeah, Shatter doesn't seem like a location guy. No. no. At least not for this location. Yeah. That's always bothered me. I'm like, why are you walking toward a cliff? <laughs> because it looks great. Cinematically. Like, well, yeah, like, why are you doing that? Are you just gonna, are you gonna climb down? Like, why are you walking to the edge like that? I don't know, wherever they went, it looks great. I don't think this is Alaska, though. I don't think Alaska looks like this. I have no idea. I keep looking for people on the ship that... Where I'm like, oh, could that be... What's his face? Or what's their face from Discovery? <laughs> oh, he did say, if we're discovered... <laughs> The one thing I don't recall is what what happened, what they do with um, Iman at this point. Like that's like I don't know if that's D Kelly. Like you can't see his face, but I assume it's not. Well, then, now this could be. Well, that could be a, this could be a set like now. with the they fan blowing up in, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah they probably. could be interlacing it. Actually, you're right. That's probably exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I would be surprised if Shatner had a clause in his contract. Um, more than an hour Shat- and a half for my, for my seems, house. Shatner seems like a clause guy, you know, like yeah, like under certain. I'll do this under certain conditions, right? right. More than two hours for my home, and I don't do it. <laughs> I always love this part. I always thought that was John Reese Davis, yeah. Sala from uh, Indiana Jones. Or is it though? Oh, this is fun. This is really fun. God, they don't even have HD display. <laughs> See, look, now that guy, look at his ridges. They go down into his nose. He's very close to the Discovery. Yeah, they're all different. Alien. Um, Klingons. Now, however, what the Discovery, none of them have, that the Discovery Klingons have, is the nose uh, augmentation. Don't even have, none of them have facial hair, right? Don't even have facial hair? I thought I noticed. <clears throat> but they have big extra nostrils on Discovery. They do. Nobody here does. 
I heard a really interesting theory about the Klingons from Discovery. Because, and I don't really, I don't really care. It's just like whatever. To me, it's just kind of whatever. But like, they were saying, somebody was saying like, well, how come by the time Kirk and crew get along, come along, like, we're, we're at the smooth head Klingons now? Because we know they exist, but like, you know. And somebody came ahead, came forward and was like, well, maybe after what happened in the finale of Discovery, they're all kind of in chaos. And they saw that as their opportunity to kind of seize control. Yeah. Or something like that, you know? Yeah, maybe. Or, some of them just have smooth heads. I mean, really though, like, the Klingons in Discovery, like, um, if you just put hair on them, they're fine. Yeah, yeah. Those are the friends that are very fun scene, very, you know, great humor. Lightsaber? Lightsaber? I know, yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned that, because there are certainly, I think, some Star Wars influence elements in this one. Mm. You know, like, think of the, this is, I'm probably going to go off on a ridiculous thing, but like Jabba's Palace, right? Escape from Jabba's Palace. Please don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah, what about it? Them in the prison here. Jabba's Palace. And wait for the Millennium Falcon to come and. So that's, that, that was like. That was like. I don't know. That was only a few minutes. This is like a whole drawn out escape plan. This is like Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. I mean, no, they had a whole drawn out plan. Remember, they show up, they've got. Lando is disguised, and Princess Leia shows up in disguise. Yes, I, I never saw the parallels. I never, then, I never saw the parallels. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> it's just the fact that they're escaping from something. Yeah. Yeah, like when Snake escaped from New York. No. <laughs> What's that about? Oh right, yeah. I remember. Yeah, so the idea was that she would help them escape, and then. They would catch them escaping, and then that would be reason but she to gets execute. A, but she gets a pardon. And for she it. gets a pardon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just. Okay. I've always thought this was odd the way he knocks McCoy out. Like, what does he even do? I think he gave him a headbutt, but it was very poorly. He gave him like a chin butt. It didn't wind up enough to have that headbutt have any impact. Look at him. He's, like he's making a snow angel. Yeah, he's just yeah. laid out. That's great. I forgot about this scene. This is hilarious. <laughs> now we're getting some, like, classic. Oh, classic that was a classic um, Kirk fight. Kirk like fight. You see that? You just give two fists on the shoulders. He ro- <laughs> I like that. It just rolls around for McCoy. That's <laughs> I think if I punch someone in the shell on the top of the shoulders with two fists, I don't think. I don't know if his eyes like that. That's pretty. Oh, oh. They oh, no, oh man! <laughs> oh man! Yeah, there you go. Good plan. Good plan to make sure they could uh, kill him. A little too late, but good plan. <laughs> It'd be cool if we found out like in the next movie that he killed the real Kirk.
<laughs> that was great. That was, was a very what? good flipping the the mm-hmm. the trope on its head of the uh, the villain's gonna tell the plan right before. You know, fucking like okay. I'm just gonna say this now, like okay. fans complaining about how advanced Discovery looks. Uh-huh. They've got an 80 year transporter room from the future on this, like because that's from the Enterprise D on Next Gen. Like, come on, yeah, guys. but it doesn't look that different, really, yeah. except it has that weird background. Back in the observation lounge in the Enterprise D, with a new lamp. Yep, that's that walls where those model Enterprises are. Transparent aluminum lamp. Couldn't they have just beamed them off the ship? Right, throw them on an airlock. Disintegrated them with a phaser. Oh, I feel like you can't really do anything on a starship without somebody knowing. Yeah, I guess you can't can't shoot a phaser. I'm always like, are you constantly like under surveillance? Like, are you constantly like being recorded or something? Like, Like, I don't know. If you shoot a phaser, then the horror's gonna come running in. (laughs) To the kitchen, of all places. Or if you shot it. Escaped. There's a slightly albino thing on. Where? Got one talking. Oh. Somewhat. Well, yeah. I always love this battle coming up. Didn't they have a bird of prey that could shoot while cloaked in Discovery? No. Well, they figured out the cloaking frequency anyway, so they had to come up with new ones. It's like, I found the missing uniforms to cling on blood on. It's almost like it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right? Right, the mystery angle sort of got dropped, didn't it? Yeah. It's like, we have the captain back. fucking care anymore. The uniforms belong to these two men. Burke and Somno. Phaser on stun at close range. Jesus. Two of them also. Interesting. So, back to quoting Shakespeare in Macbeth. Um, Macbeth. What's the quote? No, oh, just back to Shakespeare. Macbeth oh. kills his king and frames two guards for doing it. And then before anyone can question the guards, he kills the guards. Hmm. So, I mean, perhaps another parallel here. Enterprise D engineer, engine room. We're in the lettuce room. Not to be confused with the turkey room. Well, I like the, sh- the chef. I don't like them, but they're just interesting. The chef uniforms are the butler uniforms wherever those were they're now in the uh, Enterprise D sickbay it's all uh, next gen sets it's fun uh, I mean in one in some ways it's fine because it just sort of like shows the transition to that era I guess similar designs, and they, they redress but... them so it's not yeah and but this it's... is also this also becomes Voyager's sickbay but plus and this is the thing that I've always said as oh nice You know, Star Trek never got too bogged down with making everything look perfect. 
The only reason why you have this consistency is because it, it was cost cutting. It was cost saving. Yes. That's the and only reason. That's what I always kind of That's what fans get hung up on. I always like, point out this difference. The difference with Star Trek and Star Wars is that Star Wars, George Lucas wouldn't make them until the technology caught up with what he had in mind. Right. And Star Trek just kept telling stories and make, doing it with whatever they could get and whatever worked and just throwing it together. Mm-hmm. And I kind of respect that in that they always were just, you know, just making it work. They wanted to tell stories, so they did. I like this. Of course. Oh, yeah, she's very, um, she's very bold here. She's saying, I did not fire. So she's like, she's still very confident and very cocky about it. Yeah. And here, very defiant in the way she's saying it. She's just, yeah, that's what I did. That's why I did it. Yeah, pretty much. So, I love that this parallel is that she is taking essentially the exact same stance as Michael Burnham. Mm -hmm. That everyone else is wrong. You have to be aggressive with the Klingons. You cannot give them an inch. And any anyone else that's trying to do it in a different way is doing it wrong. And they're going to bring them about their own ruin. And, and you know what? I have to step in and take care of it because nobody else understands it. Only I do. And you know what she's kind of doing with them right now? She's being aggressive. She's kind of giving them all a Vulcan hello. <laughs> she's giving them a Vulcan hello. And she gave the, the, peace, uh, tr- the peace envoy a Vulcan hello. She did. They didn't. They didn't respect it too much. Remember, that was the idea that Burnham had: give them the Vulcan hello, and then they'll respect you. There was not much respect from from the Klingons for that. She has a red turtleneck. I don't know well, because they they didn't end up firing first. Sure, they did. I don't think so. Oh no! I mean here. Oh here, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was no respect. So she has a red turtleneck. Some people have black. Some people have white. Yeah, like, that's the department division, but, like, it's not, like, obvious. What this is, is very interesting. I think it's supposed to be science. I think that's science, I want to say. This is very interesting. What is he doing here? He's getting answers. She just gave him the answers. That's why I don't understand. And is she resisting He wants him? names. He wants na- names, exactly. Oh, right. So when the directors, so I, we should mention this is a director's cut of this movie, and which I have, but this, that's not the version we're watching. I should have mentioned that at the beginning. I know, I my bad. So you can put it on the title or something. Um, as they say the names, because it wasn't, it wasn't obvious. I think to the audience, like who was who. Yeah. And so they like had quick flashes of like, oh, that's great. Who they were, just so you know. This is the director's cut, you said. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. Um. Now, what I don't get is when she's... Is she resisting him and that's why she winds up screaming at the end? And Does he do some kind of damage to her? It's because she doesn't know... She doesn't know the other one and he's really reaching for it. I see. Does he usually move his hands so much for this? It's I thought it was strange. He's constantly moving his hands. It's interesting to me and, like... 
Remember, like, on Enterprise, how they said that, like, the act of a mind meld was, like, a disgusting thing to do? Yeah. It does seem like... Look at this. It seems like... It's it's, it's rape. It's it, almost like rape, yeah. That's what I got from this scene. It does seem like it's, like, a violation of But, like, of Spock does body. it, and Tuvok does it later on. Like, when was it kind of... Well, I think... Well, think of it this way. Here's what I'll say. Actually, so it's very much like sex. If it's between two people and they're consenting... And they let the person do it. Sometimes people do it to get closer to each other, and then it's okay. But if you're doing it and you're forcing it, then it's... So it is a lot like sex. If you consent to it, it's a different thing than if you force it on someone. If you do it against their will. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing I have to say about Kim Cattrall, she really does well in this um, role. I mean, I think she acts very well. That whole scene, she totally sold that, I think. Mm -hmm. I think her acting is fantastic. I was... (laughs) I was watching a video one time of Shatner talking about the feud that he had with George Takei. Mm-hmm. Is was, that why they're on separate uh, ships? In well, no, he was film? saying that, like, you know, Takei wanted to, like, you know, be captain and get his own ship and everything like that. And, and Shatner had said to him, like, he's like, yeah, but George, if you do that, like, you're going to be, how many do you have? <laughs> Jeez. He's opening another one. Um... Shatner was saying to Decay, like, you know, oh, you know, if you're on your own ship, then you're going to be sort of, because all the action's on our ship, you're going to be on your own ship. And Decay was like, yes, but I'll have my own spaceship. And Shatner's <laughs> like, yeah, but this is fiction. You know that, right? Like, this isn't real. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> I think knowing... You just can't, like, take it seriously. You just know the feud between the two of them. You just, you just know it's Knowing to K also, I think he liked the fact that being on the screen like that, they could kind of give you him can, some better lighting and soften his... Uh, you can tell, like, how he's just really into it. Oh, yeah. To K's... Yeah. But, yeah, I don't... That's And that's the thing about this movie I always kind of... I always forget that, like, Sulu's presence is not... That ever present? Yeah, he pops in and out here and there. Yeah. He's very critical to the beginning. But well, one thing I like is that, I mean, come on, thirty years later, are they all going to have the same position on the same damn ship? Would not make any sense. I mean, Spock's a captain, but for some reason he's not commanding right. anything. But even that would have made, not made that much sense. Either. By the time you get to the voyage home and like Kirk is like assigning him what to do, like he refers to everybody as a commander. Like everybody's a commander at that point, <laughs> right? Well, that's kind of the trouble, I think, with Trek, is that that's why you never see characters really promoted, because if you promote them, that means you've got to put them somewhere else, and which means, what, you bring in another actor to kind of take their old spot, and like, so it's, it, yeah. Right. Right. Although some people, like, you know, working at offices, like, they get promoted, but they still stay where they are. Doesn't necessarily mean you get a new office all the time or a new desk. True, yeah. I mean, you could just be the head of your department on that ship where maybe you weren't before. Right. But, like, if Tom but Scotty, Par- for instance, like, the head of engineering. For I mean, Tom Paris got demoted to Ensign. He was still the ship's navigator. Yeah. And I guess Scotty, like, where else do you go from that? He's the. He's the a chief engineer. Yeah. yeah. He's not going to become a captain. Well, he's he an is engineer. A, he's well, the, like, no, the tech he, guy. He is a captain. Scotty is a captain. Really? Captain, yeah, Captain Scott, yeah. Captain of what? Engineer? Uh, just a captain. I mean, it's his rank. I mean, you must be able to, like, have the rank, but, like, you don't necessarily have to 
be the captain of a ship. Yeah, I don't know. Just, well, that's just selling it short. I don't fucking know. <laughs> All right, here we go. Some more uh, Starfleet. No, this isn't Starfleet. This is some this other is planet. Camp, this is Camp Kilmer. Because they didn't want to have it on Earth. Sorry, guys. Pouring goldfish into a bowl. Parmesan cheese goldfish, please. Somebody's fancy. I always love the clean number of And I'm having a... This is my fried, this is my, uh, fried rice bowl. And I'm having a Barney Flats oatmeal stout now. Switching from ginger ale to... Alright, we're losing our focus. I know this is the very longest we've ever podcast for, but let's try to stay on task. You know what's interesting I find is that all these background people, they're all very young. Yeah. So you have all these random background people that are very young, and then the crew that's much older. They are the next generation. Thank God they of Starfleet. the next generation though. Because <laughs> they don't seem the most intriguing. Now, here's something that I've heard come up. So, look at this Enterprise right here, for instance, right? Yeah. It looks pretty darn good, right? I love that Enterprise. It's my favorite one. And just, you know, because this is later, the effects look good on it. It's not the old one that's hanging from the strings and whatnot. But tomorrow, yeah. So, some of the fans have said, why when we encountered the Enterprise on Discovery, couldn't it have not just been this Enterprise looking like this? Wait, from the movies? This one? Well, yeah. like Or, you know, like this level of... Detail and whatnot is good. This would have been fine. There's no reason to make it sleek and <coughs> I mean, whatnot. If you, because I watched Deep Space's Trials and Tribulations after this, mm-hmm. after Discovery, and um, when you see the Enterprise appearing as it does in the original series, and it's a model, I mean. I think it still, it still looks fine. Even when you see it in on Enterprise, you see the Defiant next to the NX-01, and I still think it looks fine. Yeah. And they, they had it in... Yeah, um, just more detailed, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, on Enterprise. I mean, it was digital, clearly, but... Right. It worked. But still, they stayed true to it. Yeah, that would have been fine. I, I mean, I'm not bent out of shape about it. Oh, here we go. I love this. Warrior to Warrior. We finally but, get the showdown. I think the thing to keep in mind with that... Once more, unto the breach. Is that, again... The Enterprise is older than Discovery is. It's about a decade older than Discovery is. Mm-hmm. It's like... I don't know. Imagine like a Volkswagen Beetle next to a Volkswagen of today. It's like... Yeah. Good point. This is the one where... Um, I think... Um, this Enterprise take... This is... We see this Enterprise take the most damage. It took a lot of damage in Wrath of Khan, but here it takes way more. I've always wondered why, like, nobody... Like, when... The... Two ships are fighting each other. Why don't you ever aim at the bridge? Well, some, sometimes they do. Well, usually they're aiming at um, something specific. Take yeah. out their, you know. Right. Take out their this. Take out their life support systems. But yeah, why not? They put the bridge right on top. Although the Shenzhou, it's underneath, which I think is cool. Smart. Nick Meyer had said, I watched this, like, him get, do this, like, talk one time. 
on YouTube. I think he went back to his alma mater and was giving a speech, mm. giving a talk. And he was saying, like, you know, one of the dilemmas he faced in writing this movie, he's like, how do you assassinate someone in space that would, and make it, how do you make it cool? Mm. I think he, he pulled it off. And he said, like, he's like, watching all of Trek, he goes, one thing I noticed is, like, how come during all these space battles that the gravity machine's never disabled? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm like, it's a good point. Sure, for everything that they lose, they lose. Well, why? It's because it's expensive. <laughs> well, it's, but it's also, it's like, if that's if that's to inform me as the viewer, like, you know, they never, the anti-gravity system is always, can't you apply the principle that, that that never gets damaged to the rest of the ship? <laughs> well, yeah. But the transporters sense. are always going down. It's like, but yeah, what are you using down, on the fucking, the, you know, the warp drives anti-grav system that's not letting, that's not forcing <laughs> that to go down? Yeah. It's money. Yeah. Another interesting thing that I've heard is uh, wondered is why is it that when two ships come out of warp, they're always on the same plane? <laughs> Meaning they're always like right. level with each other. Why is one not upside down and crooked and the other one is just sideways? Because they have no idea what's, you know, but no, they're always level with each other. <laughs> Next gen warp core. Enterprise D's warp core. Um. It just looks better. I never than thought of having that. two upside down I ships. Never, I never thought of that actually, <laughs> because uh, there's no right ups, there's no right side up and upside down during space. This next uh, torpedo attack, I couldn't believe on the Enterprise. Let's see. Well, they're gonna fire on the Excelsior first. This guy loves it. Look Every line does. that comes out is Shakespeare. This, right? Yeah. It's not one. Yeah. I love though how much he just he loves it. He doesn't care if he wins. He just enjoys the battle so much. He's just taunting them all. Right? He's a very, very. Yeah, you're right. The actor is very, really pulling it off very well here. Selling it as uh, to him, it's, a, it's just this is his life. Which yeah, one? Look at him. Which, <laughs> one, which one is this from? Do you know what quote that's from? Shakespeare is limited to the Shakespeare that I have, have taught for my classes. You just heard somebody say gravity control. Yeah, this one, this blast. I couldn't believe this, this happened. Ah, gravity control, that is definitely Hamlet. This is like, wow. Right through the... Yeah. Right through the... They blew uh, up the sets that they used. Right through the Enterprise D's con observation lounge. It looks like they blew up the sets they used, but it must have been miniatures, right? I mean, it's just pyrotechnics, and they had to you know, fix it anyway to restore it to the uh, next generation appearance, so. Right. I'd give real, I always thought that line was funny. <laughs> it always made me laugh. I'd give real money if you'd shut up. So what is that guy they doing with that uh, torpedo? I'm gonna fire it. And why do they have to sit on it? <laughs> I don't know why they just can't fire it. They gotta make it dramatic. They gotta, make, they gotta build the stakes, right? But they must have been doing something to it. They took it all apart, and then they... Well, I think it was heat-seeking or something like that. But does that yeah. matter in space? Oh, yeah, there's heat coming off the ship. Wait. If they could just have heat-seeking, why haven't they been doing that the whole time? Heat-seeking is not a... I don't know. I'm just, I'm just guessing. But Enterprise hadn't fired yet. That's the thing. Where they reuse this explosion in generations, and nice. fans got so mad at that. Ah, yes. So, right, you said this is the last um, film with the original crew. Meaning, this is the last film... All of them. This is the last film with 
the members of the original crew that were smart enough to not be in Generations. Yeah, and I feel like Generations kind of devalues this a little bit. Because it's like, oh, there's Kirk, there's Scotty, there's Chekhov. Like, I, did yeah. we just say goodbye to them? Well, I think the studio got nervous and like, yeah. oh no, we can't make a film with these new people. <laughs> I just always wow. had trouble believing, like, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, Kirk could not jump like that. No, I'm sorry. All the, Michael Jordan talented in prime could Mr. not jump Shat- like that. As talented as Mr. Shatner is, like, there's just no way, like, he could do that. Yeah, LeBron couldn't jump like that. That was, um, there was definitely a trampoline or some sort of a propulsion. And stuntman, too. The presence, like, fuck off me. <laughs> Every time I'm having the just <laughs> pummels him into the ground again. Nice. Come on, Cartwright. Wait a minute. They fucking. They skipped over the reveal. What reveal? Of who that Klingon was. It's Colonel West. They hmm? pull the mask off, and what version? fucking version am I watching? No, it's in the cinematic version. Wait, there was a mask on a Klingon? Yeah, like that Klingon the, who was trying to snipe him, that, that was a Starfleet officer in disguise. Oh. It was Colonel West. It was, it was Rene Abergenois, who was Odo on Deep Space Oh, no, no, that didn't happen in this one. But I know... We gotta do this commentary over again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, look at that Klingon. Is that a Klingon in the background? Look at that head. That's our headlight man. That's Ooh, what are those I people? I don't know who they are. I have no idea. They look like a next, that looks like a next generation alien if I ever saw one. That's the Klingon ambassador from the Voyage Home. Does Worf find them? I don't, <laughs> know they, I don't know who they are. Those are great. Look at the gold guy, too, in the back. Did you catch him? Yeah. Yeah, gold skin. He looked like an original series type of there's the gray. I like how they're just like posing now. Like, yeah, yeah. Scotty and Sula just get up on the yeah. stage. Just well, pose this was the her. big um, send off. Like, know? oh, thank you, thank you. As far as they knew, this was it. This was the end of the original crew. Yep. 25 years later. I think they actually filmed this on the last day, too. Like, they filmed the scene on the last day of Sulu, right? Yeah. He didn't come back for the last uh, bridge. Epic scene. sideburns, man. They're longer than usual, yeah. That's definitely it. Oh, here we go. He's there in uh, video form. Yeah, Tuvok is on that ship, but he's obviously not in there. But he's on the bridge. Like you got to see that Voyager. So it's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty wild. They, those two actors really do fake warmth between each other very well. Through yeah, it. even though they're not actually talking to each other on right. No, they're probably in, in their contracts too. Well, as far as, you know, the crew still knows, this is not the end yet. Like, he's about to get underway, and then... Hey, they don't know. For all they know, they're going to get a distress call right now. From Pike. <laughs> I always thought that was odd, because, like... Decommissioned. All, all, throughout, the, all throughout the movie, Uhura's, like, ignoring um, calls from Starfleet. And then finally, I'm like, did they just get fed up and say, all right... You're decommissioned now. <laughs> That's right. That's what I always thought it was like. That's funny. Oh, uh, uh, 
love smocks pointing bottoms. Go to hell. <laughs> Classic. I'm sure half you know. So this, there's one thing. Second start of the round. What is it? What a line. What a line, huh? Straight on to more. Um, it means nothing in space. That means absolutely nothing. So, I never really, I have to confess, I never really noticed this coming up in Kirk's final log. The sort of direct nod to Next Generation. There's two of them, actually. The final cruise. Cruise? He never called it a cruise, does he? Will shortly become the care of another crew, which could be interpreted as Picard, even though. Right. Yeah. To them and their posterity, and to their futures, they will continue the voyages we have begun. It's this. Change of journey to all the undiscovered countries, boldly going where no one. Where no one. Yeah, finally. Because that's, yeah, because that's, uh, next, that's specific to next gen. Yeah. But and I have to, I be honest, I'm like, I never noticed that until recently. I was like, wow. Great. I'm like, yeah, it's, uh. So. A very good send-off to the original crew, if that were indeed the case, which I sort like of was. Too. I was yeah. hoping they would have done this in Nemesis, but they didn't do that. Oh, yeah. Senators out everybody signing into this. Yeah, this was interesting. I like how Walter's got the W, like it's almost like an at sign. It's like an at symbol. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so all in all... Uh, so I definitely think that it makes a lot of sense that the Discovery writers were watching this and thinking about, um, oh, he's got an interesting one to force count. It looks like Disney. Um, and they were thinking about this because, as I said, lots of similar themes, not being able to come to grips with peace with the Klingons or, or just treating the Klingons yeah. rationally, the total irrationality that mm-hmm. comes Yeah, I mean, it does feel very... It, it obviously does feel very final. Excelsior Communications is a great state. Why she, it's Rand, man. Why is... It's Janice Rand. That's who she is. Um, the Brute. <laughs> um, Behemoth Alien. But, no, I mean, it's... It's um, it's definitely a good send-off. Um, no doubt about it. Um, I never got the sense with the of this send off with the next gen crew after Nemesis, but you know. Well things were different, I think. Right? Did they know that was the last one? I think so, like but the thing is, like a lot of the scenes that tell them like you know, Riker's getting his own command, Beverly gets we knew that Riker was getting his own command, but like there were other scenes where like some of the characters were going other places and they cut those scenes, so you never really knew mm. Yeah, well, they were like Beverly goes to head up Starfleet Medical, and like I think the only ones that stay on board are like Jordy and like that's silly. Worf, I think, but like you know, it's not um, made clear in the movie because of all the footage they cut that this is sort of you know the end, and um, they don't say where they're all going, unfortunately. So yeah, that's 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 a bummer. Is there a director's cut where you can see all that? I, th- I think the deleted scenes are actually on the Blu-ray and the DVD and Blu-ray, but... Um, I agree. But... But at the same time, like, the... The, um... At least with Next Gen, 
even though we knew that they were gonna, when the series ended, we knew they were gonna go and make movies. the f- the f- The final episode of that show, to me, felt like that felt like the end. Yes. Um, yes. But, and so like then they just come up with a movie. It's like oh. And then there's going to be a couple more of them. It's like, oh, all right, well then, I guess. But, um... Right. Right, whereas the second to final episode this of is Enterprise the, this felt is, like the end. Yeah, like, this is the first, like, proper, like, goodbye on Trek, I think. Yeah. Deep, and then Deep Space Nine had it, too, yeah, you know, but and then... The, but with the original crew, it's interesting because, you know, we got a sort of halfway goodbye to... One to, graphic designer. To Sorry. Nimoy, mm-hmm. because... They weren't sure if he was going to come back because of his contract, so... But even then, like, every original series movie, so Mm -hmm. they say, was made with the intention of, like, maybe this is the last one. Yeah. That's why I feel like I've seen this before. Right. A sort of end. But I think also because they specifically state, oh, we are, you know, decommissioned. It's like, oh. Yeah. So we're definitely not coming back. Right. But that wouldn't stop them if they wanted to. Uh, one thing to point out is that Industrial Light and Magic does the effects here, and they did not do the effects for the previous film, and they had they done the effects them. before that. They couldn't afford them. Yeah, so the fact that they're back also is... Um, they got really screwed on the last movie with everything, in terms of like... Well... Yeah. Yeah. That, that movie was a mess from like, you know... Yeah, I haven't watched it in a while. That was a mess you from watch like it. I don't really want to. That's what Shatner directed, correct? Yeah. That was a mistake also. Well, I think it was in his contract, actually. Well, right, but I think he put it in there from what I... I mean, now this is all whatever. But, but I got the that's sense because like, Nimoy directed one, he was like, well, I want to direct one right. too. And Nimoy directed two of them. But Nimoy one. is, you know, he's he's an artist, he's a photographer, he's like... But Nimoy went on to direct other, other movies, right, right. not just yeah. Star Trek movies. Exactly. Nimoy is uh, um, more than just an actor. But Nimoy directed three. And then he directed four, and then right. he was a producer on this. Yeah. And I think he was even approached to direct Generations, and he turned it down. He read the script. Um, yeah, but, you, I mean, I, I have this idea of Shatters as a real ship. You know, um, I can just imagine... Is a real ship or shit? A real shit. <laughs> I thought he said ship. I, I can like, just imagine him seething, hearing Nimoy, like, give him direction on how to play Well, yeah, I mean, Kirk. I, think, I think Kirk, I think even Shatner was mad that... Spock in the days of the original series that Spock was becoming so popular and he felt like right. he was kind of because yeah. he's a shit no he's a shit <laughs> um, it, it doesn't help also that the one time that I saw him speak at a Star Trek convention he yeah, talked so about his it. horses the whole time didn't mention Star Trek once <laughs> which I thought was actually kind of funny <laughs> I'm, I'm not so, I mean he's funny he's a funny person like, yeah. And just, yeah but you know it was that was seemed to be somewhat of a somewhat of a of a of a middle finger to the crowd. So as you can see, the credits are ending. We're still talking, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. But the movie's over at this point. Um, yeah, this came out in January, in September, uh, December of nineteen ninety one, and then like kind of like a year later, mm-hmm. we're like a year away from uh, the debut of Deep Space Nine. At this point, and right, so that was, was already they were already like, writing and in production, pre-production. I'm sure. Yeah, but like, I'm, I'm curious if like fans knew about it yet. Like, you know, a third 
This is a this to me is like an extremely fascinating time in Trek's production history because Gene Roddenberry passed away. The original series was ending as it was as it was, and even though Next Gen was like in its fifth season and was still going strong, Next Gen was going really strong. Yeah, I feel like there was kind of a maybe a sense of and anybody who was around then tell me. I have to wonder there was maybe a sense of like, what's the future hold for this? Like, oh, Gene's gone. Is this going to continue? I I would right. imagine there was definitely a sense of next generation films would be coming. And it was yeah. just gonna, but I'm sure no one expected that at a point there would be films coming out and three shows see, on the air. I, see, that's the thing. Like, I feel like in the case of, say, Deep Space Nine, like, everyone was like, oh my God, like, when Next Gen came out, it was like, oh my God, you can't do another series without. Um, the original crew, and it's proven that you could. Right. But I have to wonder when that show began to take off, did it ever even occur to anybody to say at some point, fan to think at some point, is another one going to follow this? Right. Or that is there going to be a doing, third? You know, or that they would be doing films? Right. Because think about it. I don't know that since Star Trek: The Next Generation. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I just realized I am wrong. I will. But. That we've had a TV series mm-hmm. that was releasing films. And I, I can think of one, and that's The X-Files, and the films did terribly. Right. But I don't know of any other TV shows that were putting out films, because it's just such a... What about the original Batman series? Like, it was one movie, right? Yeah, so I'm talking, though, Next Gen and After. Oh, like After the Series is over, then they transition into movies, is that what you're saying? Uh, that, or just anything, like, time-wise, after Next Generation started to do it. I don't know of anything recently that's been a TV show that has put out a movie. It seems like it just doesn't happen anymore. Right. I mean, the closest I can think of is, like, the Marvel. Right. But that's such of the movie, that's and then it's kind of brought up yeah. a TV show. Yeah. A TV show. Because I, like, I feel like that's something that's not going to happen anymore. They're very yeah, much like, their own worlds. Yeah, like in in the case of Trek, it was like they started off as a, as a, they started off as a TV series, and they kind of graduate into a movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that because, happens anymore. Because I remember thinking back then, like, oh, like my, you know, because the original series did it, and then Next Gen did it. My assumption was always that Deep Space. Nine so when Deep Space Nine ends, does that get movies? Then when Voyager ends, does that get? Yeah. But then like, then it was like, well, how many? So because hard. well, yeah, because Next Gen got four movies, and you have to. Imagine, you have to realize, too, the gap there was between the shows. I mean, yeah. by the time Deep Space Nine ended, in the time it would take to get one movie made, Voyager ends. Right. It's like, do we wait until the Deep Space Nine? Yeah, until, you know and I think the, like, the Next Generation films had been steadily losing their um, box office share. Right. Well, I think the original series movies more benefited from, like the fact that there was no new Trek on the air. Right, and, and it was just people wanted to see that crew, and they wanted to I've always to kind of... And that's always, the way they brought it back. So they knew them as much for as film, uh, you know, film characters as they did TV characters. Well, and I've always kind of viewed those movies, in a, the original series movies in a way, as being kind of almost reboots, you know, in a sense. Like, I know Wrath of Khan relies on an episode of the series, but like... I kind of view them as like a reintroduction, sort of a re- almost like a reboot of the of the series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think one of the things I think might be responsible for that is that now TV is so 
in depth mm -hmm. that it would be really hard to make a movie that would you could just walk into and see and a fan of a TV show would enjoy it. Well, and that's, I think, why the next-gen films kind of, I mean, aside from First Contact. Oh, what a great movie. I think that's why they kind of fell short is because they tried to make them appeal to a general audience as much as they could. I think, I think they had a few issues, but like you had that. And I think, you know, you also, yeah, you just didn't want them to rely on the, the, on them having seen the series. And I think, but also like they were just coming out of, you also have to remember like the people making the next generation films were the same ones making the show. So I think, again, aside from First Contact, they just didn't feel, to me, much different than the than the series. They felt like big-budgeted episodes yeah, for the most part. Episodes, except, yeah. um, I mean, Insurrection is a plot of an episode of The Next Generation. Yeah, Insurrection is just an episode. Yeah. It definitely has that feel. Yeah, and I think that... Whereas First Contact is... Yeah, whereas, like, the... Its own thing, way beyond what an episode could do. Whereas the original series movies, aside from Roddenberry and the cast, you didn't have anyone not that i can think of you don't have anybody from the series attached to the to the movies and plus don't forget like you know the original series goes off the air in 1969 and then you have the first movie 10 years later it's like oh special effects and movie making had come such a long way in that time yeah. that it was easy to make it look so modern and just kind of you right know, whereas by that time, with Next Gen, the series had gone off the air in May of 94, and then Generations came out that November, and, like, yeah. the line between, like, TV production of that caliber and movie production was beginning to to blur quite a bit. So it didn't look, visually, I don't think it looked any mm -hmm. any different. Mm -hmm. too, well, too different, anyway. Right. Yeah. Another thing now, TV shows are so, um, you know, they have these long story arcs, mm. whereas with... Next Generation, you maybe would get a two-parter every now and then. Yeah. But mostly it was just single episodes, so it was sort of novel also. Like, well, I'm going to see a long-form story. Whereas now, if we mm. saw a Discovery movie, it would be disappointing because it would be over in an hour and 57 the, minutes or something. The CEO of CBS, I just recently read the other day, said that, um, recently said that, in talking about Discovery, he said that if Discovery was indeed on right. network TV... It would not have been serialized, right? Which is he said CBS doesn't like to do right. serialized stories. So it wasn't. Yeah, that was interesting. I saw that quote, and it seemed like yeah. he wasn't saying that it's because TV is not serialized. It's because CBS doesn't do serialized. Right. It's like, oh, that's, that's the only that's that's CBS's the only, problem. That's, that's the only reason. Yeah, that's the way that's TV's the going. But hey, I mean, whatever. It's it like why? <laughs> was like why not? Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, I think maybe they just want to make their programming as accessible as possible. Yeah. Which I which understand. is interesting because you know, I mean, you don't the way prestige television. You don't become the number one network. You know, Is it the number one network. They've been the number one network for a long time. Really? Yeah. What's on CBS? All those like NCISs is like eight of them. Oh, Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory oh. and uh, yeah. Young okay. Sheldon and <laughs> I, yeah, I got it. Okay, Two Broke Girls and like the well, I don't know. That's I don't know if that's a sort of pride or shame, right? But like that was the you know two well good then I'm glad it didn't go on the air for them because they would have ruined it. Well, I also think that. The, um, I still believe that if it did, it would have gotten canceled. I still don't think, as much as we all love Trek, I still don't think that it can pull the numbers out to yeah. sustain it on a major TV but, network. hey, but, that first episode, I mean, obviously first episodes are high, but that was really high. Well, it was on after a football game. 
That's true. Yeah. What I think but, that, what I, I, well, come on. How many people what, stick around for a football game for Star Trek? What I, what I think... I know, it's two different audiences, right? But I think what they may have done, or could have done, is, you know, put it on in the summertime, like they did with that Stephen King series, Under the Dome, which, oh, yeah. which got, got canceled, but it got three seasons. Yeah. Like, I figured they would have put it, in, put it like, in their summer season, or would have been, like, a limited... Because CBS still does the 20... I believe they still do, like, the 24, 22 episodes a season. Uh, but then you also get those shows that only have, like, say, 10... Right. Because, like... You know, you have all these stupid fucking sitcoms from the 90s coming back. But they only... Yeah. But, like, they only come back for, like, 10 episodes and then go, then go away. Oh, 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 yeah, like, um... Like, Will and Grace came back and, like... Murphy Brown. Never is watched coming. a single episode. Of Murphy, Murphy Brown. Murphy, Murphy Brown's coming. Yeah. I did watch Murphy Brown. Roseanne is coming back this month. Like, that, that's crazy. that makes sense. Though. Yeah. Like, so I, like I figured like it would be they would do something like oh you know we'll just bring it back for like say ten episodes and then yeah or like X Files even on Fox comes back for really short seasons when X Files used to be a 24, 25 season show. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've never watched. Man, you should watch a single episode. Start it. Just watch it. I don't, I don't want I think to. it's up your alley. No, I don't want to. So I love that show, and that was really a bridge show for between like old style television and new style television, which I could talk about for a long time. But that's a story for a different podcast. Mine was Lost. Yeah, but if there were no X Files, there would be no Lost. That's my thesis statement. And I will stick by it. That's fine. I'm just not going to watch X Files. Got it. And if there were no Twin Peaks, there would be no X Files, and there would be no Lost. Well, I think you still want to do that taxi podcast. Thinking about it. Any any interest in a taxi podcast? Uh, tweet us at Disco Podcast. Yeah, when you made me <laughs> say what night of the week that was on. Or maybe, um, at least we'll do our podcast of uh, random sitcoms, like a single episode of a random sitcom. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Whatever. We, we won't trouble you people with it. We'll let you know, but we won't force it on you. Um, so we hope that you enjoyed our first ever commentary for In Discovery We Trust, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. We hope we informed and entertained. Yeah, we should do, um, I do want to do this again, though. Yeah, well, yeah. we're going to do certainly more themed right episodes. Now, yeah, it's more to, like, I'd love to do one for The Voyage Home, but that doesn't really tie into... Right. We'll probably definitely do some much. for, like, the Mirror episodes soon. I don't know if it'll be commentary or just, um, you know, We could do that. We could do fare. the, I mean, we could always do the Next Generation episode Redemption with the Klingon Civil War. We could, oh, yeah. you know, do that. Um, That'd be cool if we did that two-parter for, um... Yeah, we could do. Enterprise. We could do, yeah. We could do, and I'm, we won't brainstorm the entire time, but, like, <laughs> there is that, uh original series episode where, like, there was a second Klingon war, albeit briefly. Oh, okay, so yeah. we do that. Yeah? Yeah. I think, it's, I think it's... I, mean, I think it's Elaine of Troyes or something like that. I think that's the one. I don't know. I think that's the one. Yeah. Many options. Uh, but there are many options. The Harry Mudd episodes, which we haven't done. Yes, the Harry Mudd episodes. Yeah. Certainly. So... Thanks for listening. If you made it this far, then, um... All three of you, thank you very much. That's so many people are in the Facebook group, right? Um... Yeah, me, you, and one other person. Yeah, please tweet it. Please tweet us. Um, sorry, I haven't. We have another Facebook thing. I don't, I, think, I don't think it's not much get, to do. I don't think it's going to get off the ground at all. Honestly, I think I was too. I think I was. I think I was too hasty in my decision to do that. Oh well. Uh, and plus, with the show in the off season right now, it's like you know. right. But we hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with more 
at some point. More something. Yep, in the meantime. Uh, tweet us, email us, Disco Podcast, or email address. In discovery, in discovery, we trust at gmail. I am fairly active on Twitter personally, and I know a lot of people follow the show. Follow me as well. So, yes. Well, once more into the breach, my friend.